good water for summer swimming, isn't it, everybody? Hi, it's Thursday night, December the 28th, year 2017. I'm Walt Hughes. Summer swimming. Well, I just thought see anybody was going to catch on. That's Larry Well, of course there. they are. They're all smart people. That's true. Patricia, the well, Why would you think otherwise? They're they're very smart people. They're well, going to catch on I, just like I, that. I just thought they would get catch. Your John system. might not catch on. It is summer swimming in New Zealand. That's true. He said it is summer swimming in New Zealand. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Patricia, how yep. are you? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I am fine. How are you? Larry, you sound better. Are you feeling better? I am feeling better. Uh, it's not. We're not 100% yet, but I'm much better than I was. You sound like you have a lot more energy. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes after tonight. But. Yeah. You but know, it's, no, no, I'm doing pretty well. Still coughing a little bit, but nothing like I was earlier. So. Yeah. Oh gosh, you were so sick. Yeah, yeah. and now I understand now. Kim Bragg has yeah, a lot does. of that. Uh, poor thing. Yeah. Well. Yep. My mom and dad have slight cases of it, but not as bad as what you went through, Larry. So. There's still time. Yeah. They could get it, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, true. Yeah, how's Bill doing? He's better, but now he 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 also had a cold, and now he's got it to Kim. So Kim just hasn't felt like doing much of anything today. So, because, you know, we were hoping maybe to work on some other technical stuff with her. Yeah, and, and I, have some, I have some stuff to upload to her, too, which yeah. I'll probably get to tomorrow. And I have finished my masterpiece. I put it, it. It was so big. Mom had to go to bed after retyping my masterpiece. But it's it's the history of yesterday USA in only two thousand seven hundred words or less. So I will have to have the a history of the history of the Civil War isn't that long. War and Peace is the only longer. Yeah, but not by much. Anyway, my mom said, I didn't know there was that much information about the station. I didn't know the station was that busy. So There isn't. They just made it up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so all that, stuff's going into, all that stuff's going into an article for Spurback. Uh, yes, I, I, I understood that from, from um, yeah, Alden, yeah. that that's what was going to happen. Yeah, he told yeah, me he was means, writing his doctorate. I, and I thought, oh, it means I'm going to have to spend the rest of the weekend proofing it. <laughs> well, I figured I'll send it to you, Kim. John, Bill, and Patricia, because there might be something I'll overlook after 2,700 words. I have no idea. But there might Anybody be. who reads it is hoping that you got the whole thing. This <laughs> just the last year. <laughs> Getting through 2,700 words is, a, is quite a trek. And there's stuff I left well, out. you wrote it. I, you know how. <laughs> there's stuff I left oh, out, too. So, I, you know, I... I, 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 I anyway. Ay, ay, ay. Yes. So, so which issue for Spurvac is this going to be in? Whatever Patrick January, February, March, April, May, June. <laughs> well the actual birth the actual birthdays of yesterday USA we think it's March. And the only way I'm not sure Bill really knows. No, he doesn't. This this is, this is the story how we know. At the at the furthest back, Kim found a bank statement for yesterday USA. <laughs> <laughs> so technically, oh. so technically, Kim and I think it's maybe March of '83 when the station. 
Well, you got the, you have the year right. Is that correct? You're well, positive about the year. It could be 82. I don't know. I mean, Bill could have made the thing since the So it's kind of like kind of like the groundhog saw his shadow, so Bill went on the air. <laughs> well, that would have but, been February. When did he call us, John? Because he called us. It was 86. No, 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 no. But before that, because he, he wanted to go on the air with the radio station. And we, we weren't involved, but he called. But I don't think I have even that written down. Because he was looking for context to try and work it, work up something. Well, whatever. You know, it really doesn't matter. No, but it's fun. It's just fun. So I just put happy birthday yesterday, USA 35. I figured that's probably pretty close. If I'm off a few months, who cares, right? There's nobody who would challenge you on it. <laughs> no. Not even Bill. So not to worry. In I an... wouldn't fly in a doctorate, but uh, in a doctoral <laughs> thesis, but... For this purposes, nobody's going to challenge it. So I, my, my, Patrick did newsletter and what pictures, of course. So I'm really interested to see what Kim's going to be able to get out of out of 2001 Plymouth Rock Drive. Interesting. You think we'll get a phone booth or to get or the or the gas station? What do you think we're going to get? That will be very interesting, everybody. <laughs> Become a Become a, um, a UPS delivery with a truck to the door. <laughs> Come to become a Spurback member, and you can find out what photos accompany this article. John is going to John's going to Google. The, yes. He's going to the first appearance of Yesterday USA just to see what comes up. That's a good idea. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. If you bill first, what? Give us a call. <laughs> how would the list, how would a listener know? Oh, Bill would have said it on the air. Most likely. Oh, if he had a call in, did he have a call in at the beginning? I don't know how. How I, I think he remembered who the first caller was, but I don't know when, how long it took for Bill to get a call. Yeah, I know that he had call in shows early, but I don't remember if it was the well, first night out. Actually, well, he he started out with excuse no, me. Walden he, was supposed to be researching all of this. Well, I'm just going by Bill's memory. He said, "Postway." <laughs> First, there was no live show at the beginning. It was all automated. Then, right. then eventually, he had one live show a week on a Monday night. Then it built to five, and then, uh, and then there was a Friday night show before we took over. So, well, there was a Sunday night show for the longest period of time because we were on it. Right. In the mid in the mid nineties. Right. But I don't remember before that. It was it was Monday. Then it moved to Sunday. Yeah. Anyway. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. So I, I don't think we've mentioned the news on air yet. You want, Larry? You want missing mention the news? Well, it's we all have? over the place, uh, unfortunately. But uh, Rosemary passed away, and that came across phones. Uh, you know, four four thirty in that area. She was ninety four. Uh, had not been well. She was in a wheelchair for the last several years yeah. of her life. But she was starting to do stuff. There was a new documentary out about her. Uh, she had made a couple of appearances recently, and uh, we were hoping to have her on again. Mm -hmm. Walden had her on in 2006, but that interview is not in good audio sound, unfortunately. And we tried to get her on a few years ago, but she was having trouble hearing us on the phone. Yeah. Then we arranged so, for her to be at a Spurvac uh, convention, and that she got 
really sick. She that was in the day. hospital that, that day. day. Yeah. And never made it to the convention. That was 2013, I believe. Right. I'm hoping Stuart Shulkis was a really good friend. He would get her out of the house. He would take her to Peggy Weber's shows and different things like that. So I'm hoping if Stuart is free sometime over the next few weeks, we can get him on. And he, uh, he just posted on Facebook about her about an hour ago. I'm not surprised. He would probably be yeah. one of the first ones to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. He would go over to her house, spend time. Uh, he, he, as I mentioned, he would just get her out of the house, too. And a good good friend of hers. So, yeah. So. We have about eight or nine shows with her. And some of that we're going to play. We're talking about playing tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff from one production from 38. Most of the stuff from the 40s. And uh, I love, there's a Bing Crosby show that she was on that I don't have. Jerry Hendigas does. And there's a Phil Harris Alice Faye show that she was on. There's quite a few things that she did. When I talked to her in, in 2006, her, her original recordings when she was three years old, at Baby Rosemary, all those would donate to Pacific Pilot Broadcasters. Correct. Right. So, I remember seeing them mm. down there. Yeah, that was stuff that's not out. No. Yes, it was recorded. She gave it to PBB. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, there's not a ton of her stuff out, but there's some. Mm-hmm. She had a good gift of mimicking Jimmy Durante, and I think that's how she Oh, got, she was very good. That's how she got on Jimmy Durante's radio show. I don't know how she had a voice left. Because she, she did the first one I've heard was on, on the command performance in 47. Mm-hmm. And then she did Club Hollywood, and then later on, the Jimmy Durante show. And uh, she did it several times on the radio. But only once did she do it when she actually was mimicking him, mm. and they were on the same show together. Anyway, so, yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, more people would of today's generation would recall her for, with the Dick Van Dyke TV show. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what most people would recall her for today. Okay. So, what did Sally do? That was her name. That was the character on the Mary Tyler Moore show. What right. did she? What What was her role in there? Was she the nightclub performer? No. It's been so long ago. I don't know. I'm not sure that I remember. Should we throw that out to the audience to see if anybody would uh, call? If John's sure. listening, he'll know. Sure. And then um, I want the name of the other person she was working with as well. Rob Reiner. Oh, there. Okay. Here you go. I've got Mike two. I'm chatting. Mike number two. I'm chatting with in the chat room, and he said that he was listening on cable in 1989. That oh, makes sense, yeah, because because we started with Yesterday USA in '86. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So not the first year. Not so we no, but that wasn't the first year. Um, I I'm guessing 20, you know, 1982, 83. But but even Bill doesn't know for sure. Hey, Mike, number two, I um, I uploaded the interview that Patricia and I did with your son today on on the po- on our podcast site today. So, if anybody's ever heard uh, Sean over the years, Sean makes such a inspiration for so many people. 
Patricia and I got a chance to talk to him for about an hour. Uh, oh, I don't know how many years ago. Uh, must have been four or five well, years ago. according to Mike, he's 21 now, so it must have been I think, at least I, eight or ten years ago. Well, I think at the time he was going to college, he was getting ready to uh, go freshman year in college. I think cause really? We, yeah, because remember when okay. he when we had the uh, terrible crisis in his life when he was eight or nine years old. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's now up there on SoundCloud.com. If anybody mm-hmm. want to take a peek at that. Did you hear that, Mike? Probably did. Let's see. Mike just uh, said yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> he probably did. Yeah. He probably did. So if anybody else wants to join us in the chat room, we're there. So what you do, you go to yesterdayusa.com and click on members only. Put in your username and password, and you can go in and uh, hang out with Patricia and Mike, too. Right. I was not re- I was not required to put in a password tonight. I do have it, and I used it last night, but I'm not sure that everybody needs one at this point. Maybe it remembered me from I last think it night. Might rem- I think the way Don's yeah. got it set up, it remembers you. Yeah, it, re- it had my name up there. It, it automatically put my name up there, mm-hmm. so it probably recognized that I had a password. Right. So, so whoever has a password to the chat room, please come and join us. We can have a good time. Yeah. I got some stuff. And I have a question for the, for the panel, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe people can think about this while Patricia's throwing her stuff on the table. I want to know what the most underrated Christmas music there is. Ooh. That's just underrated. 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 Interesting. Underrated. Something that you personally dearly love that you don't always hear all the time. So... Uh, give that some thought. You can give us a call and let us know at 714-545-2071. I'll ask Patricia, John Rory, sometime this evening, what they think is the most underrated Christmas music, in their opinion. I can tell you the most unrecognized Christmas music, and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I got it on, I don't know if it was eBay. It was probably eBay. I was scouring around in the in the summertime is a good time to buy your Christmas CDs because they're so cheap people want to get rid of them <laughs> and I found one that was by talisman that's the name of it talisman uh, a talisman is a is a, a a charm that people wear sometimes and they think it brings them good luck and it had all of the right music so I said okay I mean songs that I recognized and it is it is absolutely beautiful. Straight instrumental, mm-hmm. and um, it sounds like it might even have some harp in there. Very pretty, very pretty, and so well done. And I tried to backtrack and find who put that CD out, and I found a really distant web page that said this person was working at a school. He was probably a teacher. And I, I tried to get an email address, and you know everything just kept bumping back. So if the person who created the Talisman Christmas CD, please call in 714-545-2071, and I can tell that person how beautiful the music is, but you'll never hear it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Any- I've never heard it anywhere. Ah. Yeah. 
just give us go over the schedule a little bit uh, tonight. We're together. Then tomorrow night, Patricia will have Friday night off. And it'll be John, Larry, and I on our number Friday night show. And I'm trying to get a guess. So Patricia needs a day off Saturday once in a while. So we're going to give it tomorrow off. And then it'll be Patricia and I together on the 30th on this Saturday. And then I think the four of us will get gathered at least for an hour on New Year's Eve, at least from 7.30 to 8.30 before Michael will take over. So that's sort of my current plan at the moment. So anybody has tell me a- where I have to be, okay? All right. <laughs> So I know I have to be here Saturday night because that's our stuff. That's true. Yeah. Ah, you After s- that, I'm at your mercy. <laughs> you have stuff. You want to go over your stuff. Oh, I just have kind of little little stuff. Hold on. Let's mm-hmm. see for SoundCloud. Um, Mike wants to know if he has to sign up for SoundCloud. No. No, you don't. You do not. Um, well, you can um, send yeah. Mike, if you send me your address, you know, send me an email to floridawriter at hotmail.com, and um, I will reply with a link that takes you directly to the to the um, webpage that's Walden's or ours or mm-hmm. however, I guess. It's more your mom's than anything else. <laughs> She's been doing all the work up there. Yeah. So just send me an email, floridawriter at Hotmail.com, and I will send you a link that brings you directly to us. It's all, that it's would all, be really cool. It's on iTunes, on TuneIn, Google Music, Sketcher. And yesterday, I got my uh, Amazon Echo to work, and I need, we're going to need to get Bill and Kim Winter Healthy to sign up for Amazon Echo because yesterday, USA's not there yet. So I have to have him fill out the paperwork to get that done. So, but uh, I I can get other old time radio stations. Won't get talking to it, but uh, not yesterday USA yet. So that that's a future project for Bill and Kim to take care of. I'm here. All right. Okay. <laughs> I have got a little t- couple of little tidbits from yesterday, December twenty seventh. And I've got one for tomorrow, December 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened to the 28th? Maybe this <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's around the right time. December 27th, 1869 was America's first Labor Day. Can you imagine that? I thought it was in New York City. Yeah, I thought it was a little later than that, too. And later, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. it was an, a, call, a group called the, the Knights of Labor. And it was the Labor Union of Tailors in Philadelphia, and they put together the first Labor Day ceremonies in American history. How about that? Hmm. It later grew up, of course. Yep. So, yes, and then on December 27, 1856, Woodrow Wilson was born in Stanton, Virginia. And I remembered how to say the name properly because it is spelled as if it should be pronounced Staunton, S-T-A-U-N-T-O-N, but they pronounce it Stanton. Isn't that where the the Statler brothers live in Stanton, Virginia? That is where they live. That was my question for you. Do you remember what other significance that has? You know, he had really quite a remarkable career, period. Woodrow Wilson? Yeah. Uh Woodrow Wilson, yeah. 
Oh, I did an unauthorized segue here. <laughs> yes, Woodrow Wilson. We left off at the Statler Brothers, mm-hmm. and I started talking about Woodrow Wilson. Sure. Um, yes, he earned his uh, graduate degree from Princeton University, and that was before he studied law, his doctorate. Mm-hmm. Um, he earned his Ph.D. from John Hopkins University, mm-hmm. and then he went on to uh, – uh, he, he taught at – Princeton as a professor of political science, and in 1899, he went to serve as the institution's president. We we got that one, that he was president of Princeton University Mm -hmm. from 1902 to 1910, and he apparently turned around the entire educational system that they were using in Princeton, and he was the, um, this is the word I want, he was the reason, I'll settle for that, he was the reason that Princeton evolved into one of the um great ivy league schools that's it (laughs) thank (laughs) you (laughs) this has not been a good week for my words Mm. so um his political career it began with election as governor of new jersey Mm -hmm. two years later he was elected president of the united states uh and i did not know um i knew that he had had a stroke while he was in office yes and he managed you know, to maintain his position very well and make it to the end of his, um, of his term. But I didn't realize that with the, um, the League of Nations work that he did, and you know, the uh, mm-hmm. Congress, the power can- Congress would not buy into it. Right. He, when Congress refused to ratify it, he took an 8,000-mile trip in 22 days to get additional reinforcements from other countries, and it still didn't work. Yes. But can you imagine 8,000, and, and this is like in 1919. Right. 8,000 miles in 22 days. That's incredible. It also killed him. Yes. Yeah, well, um, I think he died like about two years after office or so. Uh-huh. And we have a really good biography and sound about him that NBC did in the mid-50s. Yeah, we should play that. That's a very good idea. Um, I think he would have lived for many, many, many years afterwards. He, um, but no, that's, that's a good good, good idea. So we should probably play those. Those are really underrated documentaries, the ones that NBC put together on biography and sound. And they did a lot of political figures in that, in that run. Yeah. I have another president. Mm-hmm. I should I should have saved these for you. 1808, President Andrew Johnson was born, or the future President Andrew Johnson yep. was born. He's the one, of course, who took over from Lincoln. Um, Lincoln when he was assassinated. Right. Uh, it really this man just was all over the place. Another one. Um, he was mayor of Greensville in Tennessee went to the Tennessee legislature, then the U.S. House of Representatives. He went home to serve as Tennessee's governor, then returned to Washington as a U.S. senator, and in 1864 he accepted Abraham Lincoln's offer to run with him as vice president for his second term. He was a man without a country. He was the only Democrat in Lincoln's administration. And then when Lincoln was assassinated, yeah. the Democrat disowned him, and the Republicans were going to support him. That's why 
you know, he was just one vote short of being removed. Um, yes, yes. And from what I read today, compared to uh, Nixon and Clinton, mm-hmm. this poor man got hit with 11 articles of um, malfeasance. I don't know what you would call it. Impeachment, articles yeah. Of, impeachment. In, articles of impeachment. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Boy, I really am having trouble with words today. And um, Bill Clinton had two and Richard Nixon had three. So they really threw the soup at this poor guy. Oh, yeah. And I have not been able to, I didn't have enough time today to go back and do some extra history work on my part. It's, it's very weak here because there was a note about him not signing legislation that came in from the Senate, of course, and um, it was about reconstruction of the South. Right, and he he vetoed it, but I can't. I did not take the time, or didn't have the time, really, after I came across that one, to go back and find out the minuscule details about how that came about. In fact, we do have a radio broadcast. You are there, did do the impeachment trial of Andrew Johnson. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, and am I going to have it? Uh, Larry got it in, <laughs> on the photo, yeah. Whenever. No, it, it's something that whenever you play that. Just so my trivia question mind. is, for everybody, what was his, before he became a politician, what was Andrew Johnson's career in? Oh. I'm not, oh. I'm, I'm not expecting <laughs> Patricia to know this one. But oh, you know, you're not? This no, is good. No, Someone for Five four five two zero seven one. My other trivia question for everybody: Be- Besides our current president, what other president of the United States never had an elected office be- be- before he became president? Had never been elected to office. Correct. Well, that that eliminates um, Ford. Correct. Before he came, before he became president. Isn't mm-hmm. this? Ooh, what an intriguing question. <laughs> I'm losing words, and, and I'm obviously losing information. <laughs> um, sorry, help me here. Let me think. Before oh, he helped. Uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Nope. Hello there. You're on air. Hello. Hello, Sawyer. Hello. <laughs> I think I have an answer to your question. Oh, Barbara. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. What do you got? Was it Obama? No. He, remember, he was a senator. Uh, you're yes. you're really loud, uh, Walden. I can barely understand you. I can take care of that. He he was a senator, a United States senator, and was also um, a congressman in the U.S. in the um, St- Illinois House West. of Representatives. Right. Mm, you're pretty so, loud yes. too. We can take mm-hmm. care of that. Oh, you're much better, Walden. Okay. See, I have all the buttons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. So, no, I'm sorry. At least you knew it was the president we were looking for. Uh, okay. <laughs> we had a, had a bit of a dip last night. <laughs> what is the question uh, again? What, pre- again? What, what president never had an elected office before he became president? Uh, he never ran. He never did anything. I, uh, I would guess... It had to be someone from a long, long time ago. Hello, 
Larry. There you go. Hi. No, the answer is not. Really? Correct. The answer is what? Somebody everybody could. Not. Everybody I can not think of was a, was elected in some position. Mm -hmm. But what's in the last? When when you say not elected to a position, are you talking about in the United States he Senate never, or he, House he, of Representatives? Yeah, he never ran for any office at all. Oh, oh okay. Within, uh, within, I was thinking Jimmy the Carter last, because he, yeah, within yeah. the last ninety years. Within the last ninety years. Mm -hmm. Was the night before Christmas? Was it Hoover? <laughs> Correct, Larry. Good job. Hoover. Hoover. It was Hoover. Yeah. That's right. Of course. Who was it? Herbert Hoover. Oh. Or Hebert Hoover, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> yeah, depending on who you talk with or who you listen to, yes. Yeah. And, 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 That's correct. You know, and the reason why, he was a very, he went to China and made a fortune in construction. And they knew he was a good organizer, so when World War One broke out, we had such starvation in Europe in, in the early 20s. And he, they elected him. They asked him to run the, the food program. And he did such a good job, he got on to the cabinet. And then that's why they decided to run him for president in 1928. And, you know, let's face it. Hoover had such a bad name by so many people in the 30s and 40s. But once World War II was over, that's who Truman went to right. to help feed the hungry in Europe. Because he knew... He did World War One, and that's what Hoover did in World War, after World War Two. He fed the hungry. And now Hoover ran for office, right? I mean, if somebody just didn't pluck him off the street. No, and they, say, no, You're no, president. no. They, they, uh, they, um, they, well, one, they, uh, he, he did. They, they ran for office at That was the only office he ever okay. ran for. Now, Mike, Mike, two in here mm -hmm. has a list and says. These presidents did not hold any public offices before they were elected. And he's got Taylor, Grant, Taft, Hoover, of course, and Eisenhower. Oh, that's right. That sounds right. Yeah. I'm just going, with, I'm just going with the, what the history books say. But maybe, Actually, maybe. Eisenhower is correct. He might be correct. Eisenhower is correct because Eisenhower was a general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and but he didn't Grant, hold any political Grant, office. Yeah. Grant was a general as well. And his background was military. And Taylor Grant was a news reporter. <laughs> <laughs> John Taylor, uh, yeah. Well, uh, but the, the, according to the information, our current president and Hoover are the only one that never ran for an office until president. But I don't know. But I think you, I think Mike too got a good point. I think he figured I out. I think he's right. I think he's yeah. right. I do think he's right. Grant is certainly right, and Eisenhower is certainly correct. Mm -hmm. Maybe they count. Um, maybe they ran for the office in school. I don't know. Yeah, and Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor was, um, you know, one of the lackadaisical guys who managed Zachary. to get in there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, he wasn't. He he had. Remember, he had two wives and had fifteen kids. <laughs> yeah. So he was good at something. <laughs> he was busy. He couldn't do anything else. Oh my gosh! Yes, he had fifteen children. Wasn't he? Yeah. That's, wow. That is. That's impressive, wow. actually. Yeah. He, I, took, he, he took. He it's took impressive over. that he apparently managed to feed all fifteen. But well, he, he had Hoover's help with the food program. Yeah. But yeah, it was William Harrison, uh, vice yeah. president. Okay. Why did All right. Why did William Harrison have the shortest run as president of the United States? 
he was assassinated. Nope. What am I thinking of? Oh, well, there's only yeah. been, there's been four presidents assassinated. So yeah. Maybe you're thinking of Garfield. I I am thinking of Garfield. Yeah. You're right. But this one was in office for like less than uh, two months. <laughs> William here. So why? Oh. Oh gosh, I remember. Did he die in office? Yes. Mm. Okay. I knew that. Wait a minute. I'm having my brain thing here. <clears throat> um, he he did something in his inaugural that caused his death. Yeah, it was Taft. Not Taft. Um, <laughs> Didn't he stay out in the cold? It was, that's right. It was William off. Harrison. Yeah, and he died of pneumonia. That's right. Because uh, he decided to give his inaugural address an hour and 40 minutes without a hat. Right. He caught ammonia and died. Mike is saying he got sick with pneumonia and he was elected in the rain. Who? Which one? <laughs> he left off with what office did Washington hold? Long speech in the rain. I know that, Mike. Help me here. <laughs> this is too much fun. Well, okay, Barbara, go look it up and call us back, okay? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> which, which president was in office for only two months? Because he died. Yeah, I, I was I was kidding when I said that. Okay, okay I'll come oh. back. Bye. Bye. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> oh, well, then I'm I'm so. Um, oh. You're doing good. You're doing good. No, I'm not. Yes, no, I'm are. not. I can even see the graphics of this guy standing in front of people, and he had no coat on. And oh my That's goodness! Well, but you knew who it was. It was William Harrison. You're right. So don't worry. You're good. You're good. <laughs> okay. Just all right, okay. I'll go to bed now. <laughs> so, so did no, I won't. So he stood there. Yep. And caught pneumonia. Did did the White House were they up front with the American people? The the fact that the president stood there without a coat and 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 may die because of pneumonia. My guess is probably not because you remember, the, remember when Grover Cleveland had cancer in the jaw. And they wanted to yeah. keep that mm-hmm. really quiet, and they did the surgery on ship. You know, on I the ship, think, yeah. Yeah, I think they were pretty cautious about any time. I mean, and what about was it Coolidge, who uh, who was who died on the train? Was it Coolidge? Am I thinking of, or Harding? Uh, Harding was in the hotel up in San Francisco. Right. Um, so did they let that out right away, or did they did? They uh, kind of cover that up a little now, bit. Do you I remember? Think, I think I don't know about that part. I know John, uh, Garfield was going to a train station and was right. assassinated. Right. Hello, Larry. You're on with Larry, Patricia, and John. Okay. How does William Henry Harrison? Say? Very good, Barbara. I'm proud. We already of you. got it. I <laughs> 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 have to listen more closely. <laughs> Who told me to find out? Okay. <laughs> My goodness, she's brutal to her sister. Well, you did you did very well. You looked up and got the right answer. Well, it also says Harrison uh, was the first president to die while in office when he caught pneumonia and died on April 4th, 1841. On July 9th, 1850, Zachary Taylor died of acute gastroenteritis. 
Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd throw that in. Okay, I have a question. Oh. I, have, I have a trivia question for the panel. All right, what is, it, what is acute gastroenteritis? <laughs> Gastroenteritis. Enteritis. Is that what she said? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a problem. That's an intestinal thing. Ah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Walden, what's the what's the what's the trivia? Okay. We know that Harrison was our ninth president, but he was number three in terms of holding another office. What was it? Say that again. I know. Oh. You, you need to explain that one a bit better. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. trying not let's, to give it away. This. He was number three. No, yes. he wasn't. <laughs> okay. He was our ninth president of the United States. Right. Ninth president of the United, United States. States. But of our ninth president, he was number three who had a different office, a different position telling, in the government. You're in the telling government. us he is the third president to have had a different office Correct. before he was elected president? Correct. Vice president? <laughs> no. No. So I want to, I'm Is asking. that what you're talking about? A possession like that? Is yes. that what you mean? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Ninth president of the United States, William Henry Harrison. <laughs> okay. Which presidents? He was number three that hold a prior position before he became president. Well, heck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going back to school, Barbara. Don't you know that? This is what we're good for. Uh, hey, I, I was more interested in World War Two. Okay, which presidents have been assassinated? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, four of them Nine, died. actually. There was ten, actually. Attempted. Yeah, there's a difference between attempted and assassinated. Four of them died. Ten have been assassinated. Okay, it was um, Garfield, McKinley, right. right, Kennedy, right, Jackson. Nope, Jackson uh, uh, survived. He was attempted. Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. What he did, he was had a he was had a funeral, and he took a cane and beat the the guy's hand, and dropped the uh, the gun. Oh. Okay. Abraham Lincoln. Of course, there was number four. Taft, Roosevelt, and Hoover? Hoover was assassinated? No. No, these these people were attacked. When they're assassinated, they die. Yeah, I know that. But it says here, what presidents have been assassinated? Whoever wrote this is an idiot. (laughs) I knew you were reading something. (laughs) And yes, everything on the Internet is true. You know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, listen, yeah. I will let you go and ha- give somebody else a chance to call in. Okay. 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 Bye. Yeah, study up on your presidents for next week. Oh, boy. Okay. Bye. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> Bye-bye. It, now, this is my – now, Barbara was jumping the gun, so this was going to be my next question to the panel. Hmm. Of the presidents who were attempted – who were attempted were assassinated. Mm-hmm. Which one decided to finish his speech, and it took three hours before he went to saw a doctor? Oh, yes. You with, know, we've gone through this with so bo- many with, times. With a bullet in him. And it was, it was, Who was it Taft? No, not Taft. Oh, I'm, I'm dropping out. My brain is sick. That's okay. Larry? 
you might shut off the speaker. What you what you president who is probably the most flamboyant president we ever had. Teddy, Which, Teddy, Teddy. Yes, Teddy. Teddy, Teddy. Of course it was Correct. Teddy. Correct. Teddy. So Ford wasn't speaking, right? Well, there were two. There were two, yeah. Well, there were two attempts assassination on Ford in a month. Right. And, right. You know, but they never shot the gun, so I don't know if that counts. As I, an I, I, I personally can't. I personally can't. It. Hello there. You're on with Patricia, Larry. Was it Garfield? Ah, uh, it was. It was, Who Garfield? Uh, on the last question, it was, it was Teddy. Oh. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, Celeste. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, you guys. Hi, Celeste. Hi, Celeste. Hi. Hi, Celeste. Happy New Year. For some, for some reason, I thought that Garfield stood there in line for a long time after he'd been shot. Well, with McKin, it was McKinley. McKinley was asked. had it mixed up with Garfield. Yes, yeah. McKinley. With McKinley. Wasn't he at some kind of exposition or right. fair or something? Right, like the World Fair, the World yeah. Fair in yeah. 1901. Yeah. yeah, and he was shot, but he stood there for a while, I think. Well, they thought the, they thought he was going to live, you know. Um, then he died. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. Gar- Garfield was shot near the train station. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, right. People probably forgot that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was an attempted assassination in 1933. His first year. And yeah. he was riding in an open-air car, car in Miami, I think. And, and the, mayor yeah, of right. Ch- the mayor of Chicago took it, was took the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And then Truman, Truman, remember there with the uh, Puerto Ricans? Oh, yes. trying were there. Yeah, yeah, he was at Blair House, wasn't he? Correct. When that happened? Correct. Uh-huh. And then the yeah. court Ford twice and Reagan. Mm-hmm. And Reagan. Reagan and once. Yeah. And I think... Is Reagan the last one? Yes. Uh-huh. You know, remember, though, remember they were, they had the plot on Bush Sr. when yeah. they were going to oversee to the Middle East. But, you know, they thwarted, thwarted that plot. Yeah, but, uh, I remember about that. And then, poor thing, he went over to the Middle East and threw up all of his dinner all over everybody. That was in China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was in Japan, yeah. yeah. Japanese. It was Japan, yeah. right? Japan, yeah. Japan, yeah. Fascinated, you'd throw your dinner up, too. <laughs> I would. <laughs> well, my, my my uncle Jim and Aunt Kill, my uncle was such a great letter writer when he was commanding general of Japan, and... Sometimes you just did not ask questions when you're at a state dinner, uh-huh. and they were served fish that were poisonous, so you had to eat only in the spot that wasn't poison. Can you imagine serving that to your best guest? Well, figure out what point you don't die eating. I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. You know, but I do know that all the traveling we did all the years when I was traveling with my husband. When you go to uh, places that that depend a lot on fish, I mean, Mm -hmm. when they fix whatever fish it is, I don't care if it's Italy, Spain, Portugal, wherever, they fix every part of it. And when you sit down to eat, you kind of go, oh, what is this I'm going to eat? That's the way they do it Mm -hmm. in, in foreign lands, yeah. They fix every bit of the fish. 
you know, I, I don't know how many. That's probably the one thing you don't ever think about as a statesman is how often they might got food poisoning after, oh, after a no banquet. No doubt about it. You know. No, no doubt about it. Um, I was going to say to this kind of sad part, talking about presidents mm-hmm. and all that, have, have, have you all seen or heard uh, the movie Lincoln that was Doris Kearns Goodwin the, the, from her book? It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. recent. The one about two or three years ago? Yeah, and they won, uh, he won an Academy Award. I think it's an English actor. Yes, I think my mom and brother went to it. I didn't get a chance to see that yet. But, uh, yeah. I think yeah, they did very good. It's a very good movie. But this is what, you, you know, sometimes you'll read a book, see a movie, and one little thing in there will stand out, and you don't think of all the rest as much, but there's something that stayed in my mind. When Lincoln was walking around with one of his, uh, or a visitor there that had come to Washington, they were walking around from the White House toward the, um, where they had the hospital. And there was this building there, and Lincoln got his arm and said, no, don't go near that building. And uh, his guest, I can't remember who his guest was, said, why not? And he said, because it is full of arms and legs. Mm. I will never forget that description, a building full of arms and legs. Isn't that just chilling? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You, here's an interesting trivia really question for the panel. Since uh, Lincoln's death, there's, there's something happened every week since Lincoln's death. What, what is it? A book released about him. Correct. Am I good or what? You're you're good, Patricia. You're you're very good. Uh, One book a week. My brain worked. My brain worked. (laughs) My brain worked. Yay! (laughs) You snapped it on, didn't you? I did. Finally. Finally, it woke up. Yes. (laughs) Oh, you've been doing great. You had it on. You just gave it a little extra snap. (laughs) Yes. It's demanding a cookie, and I don't have one. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So how are you feeling, Celeste? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing better, much better, thank you. Um, my son doesn't have to look in on me as much, and I'm I'm doing better, thank you. I'm glad. Doing okay. And you, Tootsie, how are you feeling? I did what? How are you feeling? I said how are you Oh, oh, Ma. Yes, Ma, is, I'm doing reasonably well. Yeah, thank you. Good, good, good. That's great. Well, we have a lot to be thankful for when you think of other people with other things happening right now around the world. It's yes. so sad. You know, I was watching the news, and we still haven't gotten any money or taken care of those poor people in Puerto Rico, and those are American citizens. I know. It's, I know. It, it, I, it makes me ill every time I come across a piece of information about what's not going on and down you there. Know it what is the latest one was tonight? They have all these things, the equipment, to set up their power grid, which is what's, that's what's holding them back. They can't get their power grid back. And it has been sitting in Florida for six months in a is this, warehouse. Is this one of the ditzy, there were, there were two ditzy contracts that went out. Um, 
I don't know. Would the, the first one for the electrical work, mm-hmm. what was and and they were under pressure from Congress. I mean, so somebody finally woke up and said, "This is a one-man operation. Right. <laughs> You're giving, you know." Right. And there was something else going on in Florida. They sent buckets of money to this small company in Florida, and they haven't heard from them since. Oh, is that the well, one? Now I can imagine that happening. Yeah, I remember they were contracts of three. What they said tonight was that the equipment was in Florida in a warehouse, but had not been shipped. It'd been sitting there a good while. That sounds like the one I had read about not very long ago. Ah, okay. Probably haven't heard from them since. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that that's just that's criminal? I I, it is criminal. It is. Yeah, for the number of people who have died. As a result of this storm, and as an after effect of the work that has not been done, in my humble opinion, and it really is just an opinion, anybody, like the people who have this equipment down here in Florida and not where it belongs over in Puerto Rico, that's that's criminal manslaughter. Absolutely. I, I, it's manslaughter. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, the way it goes, it, that where it is is probably the friend of a friend of another friend in government, and it just passes on down. Yeah, that's the way it works. A long time ago when I ran a congressional office for several years, I did a lot of my time trying to trace down things that people would call me and ask me about, you know, uh, why don't we have this started or have that started, and you just have to keep keep on them until they'll finally do it. Yeah. And then write a, a note of apology to the people about mm. all you do. But it is criminal. It's terrible. It is. It is. And it's our money. Yes. Yeah. And our but citizens. That's yes. what's so all gone bad about it. Because I bet you to a man, everybody in the United States wants people to have their electricity. You know, they do. So they're stealing from us. Mm -hmm. So it makes it really bad. Anyway. Well, I think all this trivia with politics and assassination and all that, (laughs) I think it's been real good. I've enjoyed listening to it. (laughs) It's really good. Interesting. Yeah. Keeps our mind off other things. (laughs) Yeah. Keeps my mind off those rats that are stealing that electricity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you all, if I don't talk to you, have a happy rest of the holiday. Thank you, Celeste. Thank you, Celeste. We're planning on hearing from you, though. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Oh, quick. Quick note, uh, Walden, are you and your mother, how are your music lessons going? Well, because mom's been a little bit under the weather, that's been put on pause, yeah. So I'm hoping in a couple months or so we'll get back to the 1700s, so I'll get to learn what what the heck happened after Beethoven, Bach, and Brahms, you know? Mm -hmm. So I have to wait and find out. So (laughs) everything's on hold at the moment, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's when the French period comes in after okay. the German period, but it's been a long time for me. I may have forgotten, but I think it'll be uh, French next. Okay, I will find out, and I will. You will find out. I will pass it. All right. And Patricia, take care, my dear. I will, and thank you so much. I'm glad you're doing better. You've really been through the mill this year. Who's 
Yes. Okay, Larry, good night. <laughs> good, good night, Celeste, and we'll talk to you very soon. Huh? I said good night, Celeste, and we'll talk to you very soon. Okay. Take good care. Good night, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good, good night. night. As Larry has his board on me, ask the question, what do you think the most underrated Christmas music is, in your opinion, Larry? Twisted Christmas. Oh, I thought that would be something John would say. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> he's not hes not been paying attention because he's been working on something else. I don't know exactly what. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of underrated Christmas music, I think. Are you looking for a group or a particular nope, nope. Just, Christmas song? Just, nope, or? just on Everybody has their favorites. You know. Yeah, we have a lot of barbershop Christmas music mm-hmm. that is only underrated because nobody hears it. Right. There's a ton of it. You know, there's a lot of great Christmas music that that doesn't get played much on the air, mm-hmm. and that's the only reason you could. I don't. Right, it might underrated might be the wrong word to use. Well, about there's unappre- so much of it out there. It's so cool. How about, about unappreciated by the masses? That's that's actually a better word. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of the uh, music from the 30s, 40s, and 50s is now underappreciated. Because yeah. not as many people listen to it because they listen to more progressive stuff. For example, who do you think? Anybody that comes to mind? Almost everything. Like you know, Crosby, people don't know who the Andrews sisters are anymore. Most people don't know who Bing Crosby is unless they're a little older. And so, you know, he's not listened to as much. The only reason why Christmas is heard because they play it every year. But most people don't know who Bing Crosby is. I, I had someone here the other day. And she looks old enough to be ashamed of herself for this, but she wasn't. I asked her about Rudolph, and I said, Jean Autry sang it. And she said, oh. And her father was here. <laughs> he said, I don't think she knows. No. <laughs> and she had, she had no idea who Jean Autry was. Right. Right. No, it's very true. Dick Ames. People don't know who Dick Ames is anymore. No. That's why some of them. Those people that we would think of as just tremendous, they're, they're unappreciated by, by people who don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. What I was thinking of is if people like Percy Face and Montabati, those guys, I think, of today's generation have probably have swept the board. Just oh, of beautiful, course they have. You know, just beautiful, beautiful music there. But I think that mm-hmm. probably is now unappreciated by people. I mean, the only time you hear some of this stuff is if you're walking in a shopping mall. I mean, and I noticed this year when I was in a grocery in the grocery store, I did not hear any Christmas music, which was really highly unusual. Or I was, didn't get out in any Christmas store, so I don't know what was going on down here. True. Yeah, I don't remember now. I heard some Christmas music. Or it was so progressive stuff, I could recognize it being Christmas. Christmas music, if it was. Yeah. Yep. You know. But, uh, you know, stuff like like this, you, you, you don't, I mean, like this here. 
you know, that kind of stuff you don't hear anymore. And, you know, that's, that is just... Yeah, they call that elevator music. Right, right. You, that... <laughs> nah, shame on you. <laughs> yes, they do. The people today who listen to that call the elevator music. But the hardware station's even pointing out if there Correct. Any at all. That's very true. Yeah. There really was a company that produced all the elevator music that we used to complain about 20 years ago. Right, and it actually had its own licensing. In, you had to pay a royalty to play it. Right. And restaurants had to play, pay a fee. Elevators had to pay a fee. Any public venue had to pay a fee. That was like music. BMI. Right, Broadcast was, Music Incorporated. Like, oh, one of the obscure ones, not BMI or ACAP, but like the right. next, next one down. So have they stopped playing Christmas music on Coast? I haven't checked. I think the the day after Christmas it was done, right? Most likely. Remember, I think yeah. I read last year in Radio World, they got to 275 stations throughout the United States were playing Christmas music full-time. Which was pretty amazing to think about that. And considering that genre, the 24-hour Christmas station, uh, like, within, really within, within the last 20 years or so. You know, it's, it's, I think we all recall when we were all growing up as kids, you would hear occasional songs in the, in the playlist of a station but when it got up to like the week of or two or three days before Christmas, then it was all out, all hands on deck. Right. You know. Right. But. Not very true. You no, know, I think I read somewhere it was like they they pinpoint that idea that concept around 1996, hmm. the year that Yesterday USA went online on the internet. In '96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. How, <laughs> my brain is is really abandoning me tonight. In 1996, how prevalent was the internet by that time? Well, I'll give you the story of how, why we have broadcast on the internet. Al Gore. No. <laughs> of course, Al Gore. He says so. Must be behave. true. Behave, behave. <laughs> I wrote, that really was one of his stupids. Yeah, I wrote this, I wrote this in, the, in our upcoming article that will be in Spurback, how broadcasting on the internet got started, because Bill Bragg was there. What? Okay, well, here's the story. There was a, a big fan of college basketball. He was a big hooser. Mark Cuban? Yes. Mark Cuban... Love Indiana college basketball. And while he was living in Texas, he would have his friends turn on the radio in Indiana. He would call and listen to the games. And that's when he came with the idea, well, why don't we stream this online? And he started up his broadcast.com, which was the first big streaming site. But as Bill Bragg said, every time Mark had theft going, it all broke down. He was using, you know, VCRs or tapes and really didn't know much about electronics. And so he called Bill Bragg and Bill got him up and running and Bill installed some satellite dishes and that way they could 
use satellite for his broadcast.com. And Mark Cuban offered Bill a full-time job. Bill turned it down, figuring this ain't going to last forever. And But he, he worked the deal that Yesterday USA got the broadcast on that site for free. So in 1996, Yesterday USA was on broadcast.com for free. And Cuban, uh, part of the deal, uh, Cuban worked out. So in 2000, Mark Cuban sold broadcast.com to Yahoo for over $1 billion and gave every every employee a million dollars. So Bill lost down on a million bucks. And once, you know, we were, but that we were grandfathered in uh, to Yahoo. So we didn't have to pay anything on Yahoo until Yahoo decided to really get out of the whole broadcasting part of the internet, and that's when Y365 became our new home in 2002, when Yahoo decided to pull out. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Because so, we were still doing stuff for Yesterday USA up until, I think, 2001. Right, right. And so I remember this, the, this story. Yeah, and so, of course, naturally, Bill was panicking. He called me, so I got looking around, and I said, Bill, Bill, all he tried to do everything for free. And uh, they wasn't going to buy for free. So Bill had to start paying a fee at the time to, to stream. And Now, it was a minimal fee. It wasn't that oh, much. Oh, correct. Now, could they grandfather Bill in at that original rate of $150 or 200 eventually worked up to be 200 bucks or so. And we know others that are paying 1000 a month. And... Mm-hmm. Bill was not paying nearly anything in that ballpark. And so, so a lot of ways, Bill wound up in a good good deal. He even got satellite time for free. And John Redman told me that a typical satellite feed in the 80s was over a million dollars a year. And Bill got that for free. And then eventually, later on, when we moved everything over to Skype, right. he got rid of all of his phone lines and literally was paying, I forgot what the amount was, nothing for Skype. Yeah. I mean, he got rid of a lot of stuff in, in the last, say, eight to ten years. Uh, and so we've been fortunate. I mean, so fortunate. Yeah. Listeners have no idea how fortunate we've been in terms of getting a lot of the stuff done that needed to get done because yeah. Skype didn't cost us anything. No. At all. He got rid of all of his phone lines. Not all of them, but no. 99% of them. The old days of... And those all, were expensive. All the equipment Bill have had, broadcast equipment. Bill always had old, old broadcast equipment. And we all, he sort of wondered, if this goes, how are we going to still be on the air? Well, eventually, new technology took over. So it made a lot of obsolete, and there was always a way out. So, when we moved to Skype in 2013, mm-hmm. it and and when we actually moved all of the DJs over to uploading their own shows, yeah, it you have no the listeners have no idea what a what a coup and what a benefit that was to Bill and Kim mm-hmm. and Yesterday USA. Their workload. Went down to 
not nothing. No. But it was down significantly to what it used to be. And if it wasn't for Cam doing the day-to-day grunt work, this station wouldn't be in this good shape it is today. No, so, no, no. It's pretty amazing. 714-545-2071. So I know you like to call Or if you're in the chat room with Patricia and Mike too, say hi. Patricia will wave at everybody in the chat room. Can you wave to people in the chat room, Patricia? Do you have that capability? I say that again about the chat room. Can you wave to people inside the chat room? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I don't think I can jump up and down either. But Mike Two and I are still here having a conversation. So if anyone wants to join us, you have exactly twenty-five minutes before we say good night, everybody, mm-hmm. on this particular program. And then we'll go to the blue. That's true. And then, you, and then you go blue. Right now yep. you're pink. You're red. What, <laughs> is it mixed red? Is it mixed red and blue together? What that? What what color is that, Patricia? Purple. Gee. Okay. So I mean, Bill, we should have a purple, a purple button to mix the red and the blue together, right? Well, then, what? <laughs> You're rather the get, aren't you? And old gullible me just sits here. <laughs> Oh, well. All right. I have some New Year's Eve information, just preliminaries, if you would like to hear a little bit about that. Sure. Times Square. Okay. Um, It's got more than 2,600 Waterford crystals of various patterns, cuts, and sizes. This year, I can't recall. I'll have to look it up from last year. I think it's 56 of the crystals change out every year. And what goes back in represents the theme. This year's theme is Gift of Serenity, which is exemplified with butterfly-like designs cut out on on those individual triangles. All of the crystals are triangles, but only a handful of them get changed out every year. (laughs) We'd still be waiting for the 1920 ball to drop. There are 32. Now, maybe you guys can help me with this. It looks weird. It says when the ball drops, there are 32,000 Philips LED lights behind each crystal, behind each crystal panel. And, and I guess, the, what are they, like, I don't know, five inches by four inches, something right, like that. Right. And I cannot imagine 32,000 lights, LED lights going off 2,600 times. No. But it, might, mm. it doesn't make any sense to you either. Good. Thank no. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. First drop in Times Square was when? 1907. That's exactly right. You remember. I did. Oh, good on you. That is very good on you. Okay. It was originally 700 pounds made of iron and wood and covered with 100 light bulbs. We are a little bit advanced of that (laughs) right now. Um, In 1955, an aluminum ball, computerized aluminum and rhinestone ball, and that was for 1995, and a crystal ball in 1999, and an LED ball 
um, to celebrate the centennial in 2007. What centennial? Oh, the centennial of the ball dropping. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. This year, however, it is going to be brutal out there. Whoever does not dress in 14 layers of clothes is going to be frozen by the time they get through. Um, they expect it to be 11 degrees in New York City with a wind chill of zero. And I cannot imagine that there will be more than a million people out there waiting for that thing to drop. And they're going to be, stand, I guess, with that many people standing together that way, they borrow heat from each other, don't they? Yeah, uh, I guess, of course, the body heat mostly warmer up by about two degrees, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all of it, two degrees, <laughs> starting out at 11 degrees. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Have you ever known and anybody, Patricia, to stand out there in Times Square? No. I mean, I'm sure somebody in my life has done it. How about, how about you, Larry? Maybe they just wouldn't own up to it. <laughs> how about you, Larry? I, I, I know one person to do it. Did he go to bed? I think he no, bored. no. Somebody just emailed. Me. Barbara Watkins just emailed me, and so I was emailing her back. Uh-huh. What was the question? Have you known anybody to stand in Times Square for the ball? No, I've heard about people doing it for hours, but I don't know of anybody personally who's done it. The only one I know, and I can and I can him a pretty smart guy. He says he, he it was great to do it once, but he's never going to do it again. It's Martin Graham's. Mm. Martin and Michelle did it, his wife Michelle did it one time, and once is enough. And I, I think if Patricia was going over the restrictions, I think the toughest one is not be able to go to the bathroom. Right. Well, they they don't have bathrooms. It. You can do anything you want, but they don't have bathrooms. They don't have right? bathrooms, so I don't even think you can get back in. And you can't. That's right. If you leave one of the cordoned off areas and you're close to up front, you can't even get back into the cordoned off area if you leave. So you lose your seat in the joint. No, it's not worth it. I think the only way to do it is to rent a hotel room looking over Times Square and you can stay indoors. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that would be about the closest you could do it. Well, but they got you there, too, because you're going to rent a you're going to get a hotel room for an exorbitant price. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think Patricia looked up like thirty grand or something for one night, and you have oh. to book it for three or four nights in a row. It, it, it's not a one. I, I don't think it's, I doubt it's thirty grand for one no, night, but I'm that sure that high. you can't you can't do it for one night. There's a minimum no. of three nights or no. four nights or whatever. And you do pay premium prices, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it might be as high as $1,000 a night for a that. room with two queen-size beds in it. Yeah, but, it um, probably is. But, see, I would think, I would think, I would think uh, New York and Manhattan, its normal rates is probably 1500 or so. Mm, depends mm, on not on New Year's, you mean? Yeah. No, no, just year-round. No, 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 no. It's not 1500 no. I'm thinking of the... I'm thinking of the, the, the big time swanky hotel. No, it's 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 probably seven eight hundred dollars, but it's not fifteen. Seven eight hundred is still pretty good money, though. Sure it is. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> are we there? We are, we are there. there. Yeah. Well, here here is uh, according to the frostbite people. 
Frostbite. At Frostbite Falls? I, I don't think they have. What? Frostbite Falls. Frostbite bulbs? Falls. F-A-L-L-S. Frostbite bulbs. Oh, yeah. oh, from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh-huh. Oh, am I on target? What? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay. And I, I sent Walden an email with a story in it that came out of, I think it was Smithsonian. I'm not positive about that. And it had lots of good information. It was done by someone who remembered watching Rocky and Bullwinkle when he was very young. And oh, I if I can article. dig it out, would you like would you like that article? It mentions June Foray. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love the article. I read, you sent it to me about two weeks ago. It was a terrific Did article. Did I send it to everybody? You sent it to me. Yeah, well, I know I sent it to you, but I didn't think I sent it to the guys, and I should no. do that. I don't think Always so. One. I don't recall. It, no, it, it, I don't it was a story it, about so he, he and his sister growing up at the kids watching Rocky and Bullwinkle and, 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 and how smart, how sophisticated and how smart the the dialogue and everything was with that show. Mm -hmm. And he yes. was analyzing yes. why, you know. And, and it was a fun article. It wasn't anything deep and dark. You know, we interviewed X number of people and X, Y, and Z. No, it was just off the cuff. It was a joy to read because it was like he was having a conversation with people. And mm -hmm. it was it, it was a happy article. So I will dig it up and I will send it out to oh, both okay. of you. And I should have done Thank that on you. first pass. Thank you. Shame on me. Shame on me. And then tonight I will sneak up to um, to Dropbox and, and get the Christmas goodies from up there. Ah, uh, okay. Patricia had a big... Okay. They, moved, they, they, they moved Patricia's computer in, right, today, so that way you got access to your big computer, right? That, that. I will... Uh, yes, I'll set it up tomorrow. Ah, good. It, um, I came and moved around all of my stuff, and I've even got a little bookcase in there. I'm really moving in, yeah. You know? <laughs> this is this is good stuff. This is really good. And they feed me on top of it, such as it is, but they feed me. <laughs> so anyway, the frostbite committee says, and we didn't need any help on this, frostbite is most common on the ears, cheeks, chin, nose, fingers, and toes. And it can happen in as little as 30 minutes. Okay, I so, cause I'd never, I'd never lived... In cold country, mm -hmm. is it really damp, or what? What would frostbite feel like? Would it be wet and cold? I mean, what? Yes. You don't, and it, it's um, you feel you feel cold, right. and then gradually you feel nothing because the blood vessels in the tissues are actually frozen solid, and the real pain comes when they start to thaw out. It is excruciating, and the the urge is to put what's hurting back into ice water, which would relieve the pain, but it would further damage the tissues. Oh, so it's okay. something you just have to really tough out. And I can't tell you how long it takes for the pain to subside, but it lasts for a bunch of hours at least. Because all the nerves are damaged in there then too. Mm -hmm. That sounds really brutal. Mm. It's, it's very painful. Yeah. Yes. So this is my warning. Stay home on, <laughs> on New Year's Eve. New York City people, please be careful. Really be careful. And, uh, you know, for me, I can put on 12 pairs of socks in my 
my feet will still be cold. My feet get cold so easily. I cannot imagine, for me, standing in cold like that, just waiting for this trinket to tumble down from the top of the building. It's a wonderful experience to watch it, I guess, but what a penalty you have to pay. No potty. They give you directions on how to get on a subway so you can get to a potty. Oh, I think we read one year that there are places that charge for bathroom pr- mm-hmm. privileges. Yes, there are a couple of places that closed down their restaurant business and would charge people at the door, and it was a different price for a pee or a poop. I don't know how they told they could tell that. I just don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, people on New Year's Eve are not on their honor to tell you whether they're peeing or pooping. But that was their entire business. They made fortunes selling their restroom facilities to individuals one at a time. Now, one, now the f- one unique thing I noticed when we first went to England is it has to pay for the privilege to go to the bathroom in England in 1993 in using pu- mm-hmm. public facilities. You know, here, here we're so spoiled if being free. Um, yeah. You know, that was just a way of life back in those days. And the other thing that was so surprising some of it was co ed. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder how it is today. Probably the same way, I, you know, I imagine. It's a pay for pee place. <laughs> yes? True. Okay. True. Hypothermia. As if they didn't know already that hypothermia, one of the symptoms is shivering. Mm -hmm. But if you're really dealing with hypothermia, it's shivering, slurred speech, drowsiness, and loss of coordination. So these are all your warning symptoms, people. Um, This is your public service for 2017. So I will have more um, New Year's Year's Mm -hmm. Eve information in particular when we get on on Saturday and Sunday. Sunday. We'll have stuff like that, and we expect everybody to be safe. So what's, what's worse? What's your nerf ba- is, it a heat, is it the heat or cold in terms of, you know, like a heat stroke, or I don't know what if there's equivalent to a heat stroke when you're cold? I think well, cold's cold. worse, I think. Um, a heat stroke will kill you very quickly because yes. all your, you stop sweating. And all your organs shut down, so you you don't have a heck of a lot of time left if you're in the middle of a heat stroke. But cold, um, unconscious with cold, no. People can tolerate. It's really amazing some of the stories that come out where people have been under ice for as long as 30 minutes. And because their bodies were so cold, they didn't need that uh, a normal amount of oxygen to survive, and they've actually revived them a uh. half an hour without breathing. But because they were in ice water, they survived. So, yeah, sunshine, sea heat stroke type stuff is worse. So maybe I explain why they, when somebody, they pay the, uh, to freeze the body or whatever, is that the theory? They think it will last longer in ice? Would you ask me that again? Well, people like Walt Disney, who are, yeah. they, they have froze them. They get, they think ice is a better preservative. Is that why they get froze? 
I'm thinking, I'm thinking you mentioned that people survive for 30 minutes mm-hmm. otherwise, so they might think ice requires less oxygen. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. You know well, your body doesn't need as much oxygen because it is also cold. Okay. When, when you have activity, you need more oxygen. Mm-hmm. Everything is in uh, a suspended animation, I guess, is what you would best call it. 714-545-2071 to our number. Patricia has got to hurry up. Couple Nine minutes, minutes left here. And then she'll be running out the door. Yes. And we'll be letting I'll take the rest of the way. So is John looking at more conference meetings for... Uh, I don't know what he's doing now. He was last night and he was this morning. But I'm not sure what he's doing now. Have you picked out what, what you guys going to see? Uh, not totally yet. We're getting there. What? So we're still working on it. Uh, what are you guys, the two of you, Larry and John, what are you going to be doing on New Year's Eve? I don't know yet. Um, I might be, uh, I don't know. We, we, we talked about getting together with some of my Bible study friends, me, uh, but I, that's not definite yet, so we're not sure. If not, then we'll be here. Will both of us be here? I, I, don't, I don't think John's got anything planned. Have you ever done anything really big on New Year's Eve, John, Larry? No, we've gone over to houses and played games and things like that, but uh, nothing. I don't like really being out on New Year's Eve. There's a lot of drunk people who get out there and yeah. cause accidents, and I, I'm not one to be out and about unless I'm with other people. How about you, Patricia? So, Have you ever been out on New Year's Eve? Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Both of I have. I told you my embarrassing story. You were asking for embarrassing stories one night. I went, um, I was invited, nice guy, you know, nice family. Yeah. And he was invited with his guest to go to a private gathering at someone's house. And there were only maybe eight or ten of us, maximum ten. And had a nice sit-down buffet-type uh, meal. It was really good. And we were talking. Several of us, well, I guess the whole group was talking about something really intense. It might have been something that was going on in the world at the time or a philosophy question. I don't know what it was. But in the middle of this really deep, thoughtful conversation, I hear from the person I was with, pass the pickles, please. <laughs> And that sort of didn't sit well. Wow. (laughs) Past the pickles. His name was Pete, and my father used to call him after that, Pickles Pete. We did not go out after that. Uh, Pickles Pete. Mm Mm-hmm. So, no. That was a one-time deal with the date. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't go out every year. But Melinda and I used to go out. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you? Where did you go? What did you do? But not every year, just a picnic, huh? Where do we go? Yeah, anything that stands out with you, Melinda, going out. New oh, season? we would we would go to people's houses. Uh-huh. We would do a barbecue. Um, something like that. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. We just would just be with friends, which is completely different than what has happened this year. Because the only place I've been since I was off. On vacation, which I think was the 20... When did I get off? 21st? 22nd? Mm-hmm. 21st. 22nd. No. Today's the 22nd, right? 
Today's 29th? 28th. Okay. So beginning the 22nd, I've been off. I have been nowhere except Christmas dinner. I've been inside the whole time because I was sick. That, and that is so unlike me. But I didn't really have any need to go out anywhere, and I wasn't feeling well, so I didn't go. Yeah. Or, ordinarily, I'd be out every single night. Well, the two so. time, the two things I remember about New Year's Eve, 1985, our family decided to go to the Nebraska football game. You know, what else, right? Oh, you told me this story. That's true. And yeah. so, so Nebraska was playing Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl in 86, New Year's Day. Jim Harbaugh, you know, you, you might have heard him. He turned the current coach at Michigan. He was the mm-hmm. quarterback for Michigan. And so we, uh, my aunt said, my aunt got the brochure. She said, oh, you know, for $23, we could go to have dinner and see the pep brand at Nebraska and have a great New Year's Eve out with Nebraska fans. So we signed up, $23. How do I remember $23? I remember $23. So... So, we get there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The pep band is getting back on the bus. So, we missed that whole, you know, routine of the band. They were going on the bus to go off to the next engagement. And then we went into the ballroom. And they said dinner. And after a little while, they had a little music. They brought out hors d'oeuvres. And all these Nebraska fans come storming to the hors d'oeuvre table. And somehow, my dad got a couple for all of us. And that was it. That was dinner. So, it was, here he is, New Year's Eve, <laughs> 1985, 10 o'clock rolling around. So, at midnight, our family was in the drive drive through at Jack the Box getting dinner. And that was, that was the... That was our New Year's Eve of 85. And actually, the Black lost the football game the next day because they kept fumbling the ball in the third quarter. Anyway. I, I think on four separate occasions, we did the Rose Parade. And we would go to Pasadena uh, at like 8, 7, or 8 at night because they wanted us there behind the lines mm-hmm. before it really got nuts. Right. And they put us in a hotel room. And you'd hear, of course, because we're, we're on Colorado Boulevard, literally. And you'd hear people, drunken people, honking horns, yelling, screaming. And by the time it was 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, we were up getting ready to go, trying to get in. And it was fun, but it was chaotic because there were so many people camped out mm. on, on Colorado Boulevard, you know, just sitting on the sidewalk. Yeah. And it was cold. Most times it was 35, 36, 37 degrees. And in those days when it rained, and I think it rained at least once when we were there, it was the the chill factor was even cooler than that. And it was just a mess. And we look forward to the times when we were actually in the booths uh, and away from people because people were nuts. And they would bring us breakfast. People would bring us breakfast and we'd have breakfast and then we would get ready and we'd have to wear our heating pads so that our hands wouldn't freeze up while we were reading. And by the time the parade was done by 10, where we were, it was 10. We were home by 11, 30, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And uh, 
sometimes we'd watch the football game. Sometimes we'd be asleep, you know, because we were up early, early, early in the morning. Sure. 2 o'clock in the morning. I have one more New Year's Eve story to tell, but we're going to switch to the blue. <clears throat> so everybody, if you want to hear my second story about New Year's Eve, start jotting over to the blue. Cause we'll be if not, then we'll see you tomorrow night. That's right. You know. Yeah. But Troy's persistent going to have to hear the story because he's sure. heard me say it once or twice, but it's such a good story. I want to tell it again because okay. there might be somebody who hasn't heard it before. So there we you go. go. Everybody, stand by. Here we go. Off the red. I say good night to everybody. Hold on. On to the blue. On to the blue. May so I tell? We didn't get to say good say good night to everybody on the red. <clears throat> That's true. No, you'll have to do it here. So may I tell my one story, then you can say good night. Why certainly. Okay. Mom, Dad, and I decided to go out for dinner on New Year's Eve. We went to the Jolly Roger restaurant. Pretty nice place. Oh, this must have been a long time ago. You know, about 15 years ago, I assume. And, you know, my family, my mom likes to eat really early in the evening. You know, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. And so we went to the restaurant, and it was packed. We got a salad. We put our order in. An hour and 45 minutes later, Mom decided, let's just go, because we didn't get any other food service that day. It was so bad. It was just so packed. You know, that's all we got was one, just a salad. You know, our meal, nothing ever showed up. So uh, that's about the only other time I can recall ever going out wow. for dinner. We just so happened to be on New Year's Eve, you know, 90 You have minutes such later. great luck at restaurants. What are you planning for Sunday night? <laughs> Bob, we... Mom's got a couple of Costco pizzas in the in the refrigerator. So I mean, I can go pull one of those out. That's a great idea. Yeah. I could buy a Sicilian pizza because mm-hmm. I'm going shopping. That's a great idea. Yeah. Way to go. I will write that down. All right, Patricia, you want to say good night? I will say good night. Good night, everybody. We will be back on Saturday, and you guys will be around tomorrow. Before then, That's right? Yes, right. Okay. Good night, Patricia. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. Good, good night. night, Larry. Good night, John. Is he still here? He's here. He's here. Oh, good night, John. Good night, Patricia. Have fun hooking up your computer tomorrow. Let us know how it all works out. Okay, thanks. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And and she's going to call Kim tomorrow and say she did get her gift. But I'm going to wait. I'll wait till she talks to Kim before we... Mentioned that. Well, how does she know she's getting one? Oh, she got it. She told me she got she she it came today. Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah. But she wants to talk to Kim and thank her first, you know, before. So she knows what it is. Well, it came in. They delivered it to her. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't say anything because I didn't. Well, I didn't want to no, spoil no, anything. Right, and that's why I thought let Kim, let Patricia thank Kim personally, but that, yeah, we'll mention it later. Anyway, that, I'm so happy about so, that. So do we want to tell people yet, or do you want to wait a Oh, so we'll wait another day or so. We'll let Patricia thank okay. Kim personally. Yeah. But, okay. boy, she was, she was not expecting that, so. Well, I wouldn't be either. <laughs> that's a terrific gift. Oh, it really is. It really is. And, uh, so that's why her uh, her people are going to have to re- re- 
we moved the thing around to fit that and that. You get two yeah. bingo points in there. Anyway. I just told John what it was because he didn't know. Yeah, good. 714-545-2071. We're here. Um, we've been busy working on stuff. And uh, should be a good year, 2018. Looking forward to it. A lot of good stuff in the old-time radio hobby. Boy, I was just sitting here, though. When you told me about Rosemary, I was looking things up. We sure have lost a lot of singers this year. It seemed like that. Boy, haven't we, though? Yeah. It's been a year to lose a bunch of our singers that we know. It's funny. Sometimes singers vocally don't change. Mm-hmm. But boy, in, in Rosemary's case, yeah. she must have been mine. a smoker. Was she a smoker? I don't know, but I wonder if she, I wonder if she threw her voice out doing all imitation. Could be. You know, Could be because she's got a very young, very nice voice right. in the 30s. And boy, by the time she gets to Dick Van Dyke, Dick Van Dyke it has dropped significantly. Right. And I think sometimes when people have injured their voices doing things like that, you know, it's never... I think it's Harry Belafonte. If you ever have heard... He can sing normally, but boy, is he speak. The one time I heard him speak yeah. on 60 Minutes, it's not... You would rec- not recognize that Harry Belafonte speaking. It's a totally different vocal. So did you talk to Stu tonight, or did you get a machine? I sent an email. To, I figured it was uh, And so okay. I figured the time I get off the air, I should probably hear from Stuart. Because generally Stuart's really good about answering yeah. emails after 7 o'clock at night. Right. And, yes, he is. And if he's available, I'm hoping we can get Stuart tomorrow. So. Um, okay. If not, then, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. We got a lot of shows, though. Good. There's about nine or ten sitting there. It's too bad we don't have anything once you record, uh, for, you know, in the mid thirties. That would be nice to hear. We have one show. Wow. In thirty-eight. Mhm. But see, how old was she been then? If she was ninety-four. About fourteen, I think. Okay. Or fifteen. She almost had two separate careers to think about. If Baby Rose Marie, uh, at the singer on local radio out in New York. With one career, and then probably the next part, the big part of her career, been the Dick Van Dyke period. Right. I guess. Yeah. She was obviously best known for Dick Van Dyke, but boy, she did a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And what a mimic. Yes. Yes. And she did theater, and she did plays. Uh, she when she was talking to Chuck Shaden, she was in town for a theater for for a play. Over the years, Chuck got a lot of people from. That kind of angle, Danny. They were off promoting a play yep. or something. Or mm-hmm. He picked them up. He did. Don Amici, I'm thinking. And, and oh, and yeah. Danielle. So what do you have in mind for everyone tonight? Mm, nothing. I have a luxury of theater employee, so I thought that would that would uh, do it. The Bishop's Wife is not one of those that play too often. Yeah. And so I thought maybe that might be a possibility. I'll run. She didn't. Rosemary didn't do any suspense or no. lux. She, she didn't do any dramatic radio per se. No, no. And I think when I talked to her, because I think her career was really tied up in the nightclub circuit. Mm-hmm. And I think when she was in her twenties and things like that, that's what I think she was her bread and butter. 
yeah. those type of performing. And right. And so no, I I can never think of her doing any dramatic radio. If we she did, we sure don't have it. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I looked. I didn't see anything. Enamored, and maybe we'll get Stuart. I was at a, at a Peggy Weber cart event over at the Beverly Garland, and Stuart came to me. You know, Rose Mary really, really loved to do that kind of stuff. She was in a wheelchair at the time, and so you know, it never quite worked out to have her at some type of Spurback event, but uh, she really enjoyed seeing Peggy's troupe perform. In a cart production in the you know yeah. around the 2011 or so. Yeah. Well, since we haven't received many calls no, been lately, pretty quiet. We'll go might be worth playing the Lux. Okay. And then should I get see you tomorrow? Yeah, I think so. That way uh, you can get a I'm head gonna, start. Uh, I've got a few more things to do tomorrow with regard to. Uh, shows that need to get to Yesterday USA. Mm -hmm. Have you and John worked have on same, tracks and stuff? Have you John worked on Same Time Same Station? I I have the programs picked, but okay. we haven't actually done it. So I need to get that done tomorrow morning. And, and then a few more things for uh, Yesterday USA Blue. You might want to do your candy statement. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't think that has to be until when? The third? 13th, the, uh, the 13th. 13th, I think, yeah. yeah. You can say I'll, so I'll, I'm running. I'll get that done in the next few days. No, well. All right, well, we'll, we'll talk tomorrow at the uh, traditional Friday night show at the top of the show, and most likely it'll be on, most will be on Rosemary, everybody, tomorrow night. So with that. Quite a bit of it, yeah. And Lama and Abner. That's and, right. Uh, and then did have we talked yet to Frank and about coming on in January? Not yet, kid. When I when I, I when I talked to Bobby, still he was having some issue physically here about a week ago, so it's not quite okay. Not quite ready. Yeah. So. And we're not quite there yet. No. But we will have Herb Ellis on on the thirteenth. Good. And then we got Perry booked for the uh, uh, Herb on the nineteenth and Perry on the twenty-first. Yes. So those are the only right. things we have confirmed. We got two interviews in the can. Betty Johnson is in the can and needs to be let out sometime. And then John effort of Chuck Doggerty. Is that all we have left? I thought That's we it. had a few more. Maybe not. That's it. According to my notes. Okay. Okay. So. Well, I'll, I'll start working on Betty Johnson here. Okay. Who knows about John? Well, we should have, we might have Pat Silver at the end of the month. She's a, a part of the Lasky family, so that, that might be an interesting guess. And she yeah. Did, so that, we'll see what else we'll come up with. But that's okay. what I'm working on. Yeah. Okay. I will talk to you tomorrow. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Lux presents Hollywood.
Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Flakes, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Tyrone Power, David Niven, and Jane Greer in The Bishop's Wife. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Home again after an absence of a year and a half is one of America's favorite stars. And he's here tonight to lend an extra thrill to our holiday season. I mean, of course, Tyrone Power, who joins David Niven and Jane Greer in our Christmas present to you, the delightful play, The Bishop's Wife. Samuel Goldwyn's fine and sensitive screen production won your hearts as well as your applause. And those who saw the picture will have a special welcome tonight for David Niven, who plays his original screen role as the bishop. I'm sure most of you are quite busy these days with last-minute shopping and getting the house in order for the holidays, a time of year when you'll need plenty of Lux Flakes. In fact, there's a most unusual holiday use for Lux Flakes on your Christmas tree, which we'll tell you about later. Now the curtain for Act One of The Bishop's Wife, starring Tyrone Power as Dudley, David Niven as the Bishop, and Jane Greer as Julia. It's a late afternoon in December. In a rather shabby section of a large city, two old friends have an unexpected meeting. Julia, what a wonderful surprise, my dear, beautiful Julia. Professor Wotheridge, but what are you doing here? I'm about to negotiate the purchase of a Christmas tree. I didn't know you celebrated Christmas. I thought you had no religion. No, I don't, but I like a Christmas tree. Reminds me of my childhood. Can you imagine me ever having met a child? Tell me, how's Henry? Oh, he's well, I suppose, but so tired and worried. You're raising money for the new cathedral, huh? Slow work, Professor. And you, how's your book coming? Oh, splendidly. Greatest history of Rome since Gibbons. Oh, I wish it weren't so late. The cathedral committee's meeting with Henry. I really should be there. Well, one of these days we'll have time for a nice talk again. Oh, here, here, for Henry's cathedral fund. This coin? It has very little value, I'm afraid. Just an old Roman coin. I picked it up years ago in Italy. Oh, it's a wonderful contribution. Nonsense. Might be called the widow's mite, only I'm not a widow. Julia, what's the matter? Nothing. I... Oh, if Henry and I could only spend Christmas back here, where we were so happy, with you, with all our old friends. No, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. It was really very childish of me. Goodbye, Professor. Goodbye, Julia. Why, Professor, how good to see you again. Hmm? Who are you? And how well you look after all these years. Well, don't you remember me? Well, let's see. It, uh, it wasn't Vienna, was it? Vienna. Beautiful old Vienna. When I was lecturing on Roman history... And what splendid lectures they were. And what a one you were with the ladies. Fancy you remembering that. I, uh... I've been standing on the corner watching you, Professor. You and Julia. Oh, you know Julia? In a way, yes. Oh, poor girl. She's unhappy? Yes. When were you in Vienna? Oh, many times. I, uh... I'm interested in Julia, Professor. And Henry... What seems to be their trouble? Oh, no special trouble, I imagine. Henry's a bishop now, hmm? Oh, yes, that used to be his church over there. St. Timothy's. Perishing from neglect. It's such a nice little church. Well, delighted to have seen you again, Professor. Strange. 
Unless I've completely lost my memory, I've never seen that fellow before in my life. Julia? I'm terribly sorry I'm so late, Henry. Has everyone gone? Yes, dear, some time ago. Not another argument, Henry. Mrs. Hamilton... Mrs. Hamilton is a selfish, vain old... She made it very clear, Julia. Either we build the cathedral the way she wants it, or it won't be built at all. Oh, what a ghastly meeting. You didn't give in to her. Indeed not. I made it very clear I have no intention of being strangled by her purse strings. Oh, Henry, I'm proud of you. I had the most unchristian impulse to take those blueprints and give her a good whack over a mink coat. I beg your pardon, Bishop. Yes, Miss Cassaway? Mr. Trevor's on the phone. Tell him the bishop will call him back, please. After dinner. Yes, Mrs. Bro. Henry, what's happened to you? To us? To our marriage? That's a strange question to ask. No, we used to be so happy. We used to make other people happy. Henry, that was your gift. You're no financier and you're no promoter. Kowtowing to people, flattering them, begging them. It's got to be done, Julia. I want this cathedral to stand like a great beacon. I want his light to shine. I want... Yes, 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 Henry. Oh, here. Here's a contribution I collected. Oh, what is it? It's an old Roman coin from Professor Wetheridge. Oh, what does he think I can do with it? Well, it's a beginning. Now all you need is just another four million dollars. Julia, don't be flippant about this. Well, if dinner's ready, let's have it over with. I've got a lot of work to do tonight. The soup's very good, Matilda. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Brown. Oh, Julia, I'm... I'm sorry I was so thoughtless just now. I was... I was just thinking... Tomorrow, uh, perhaps we could spend the day together. Henry. Call on the professor, maybe. Have lunch at Michelle's. Michelle's. Oh, it's been years since we've been there. Uh, please forgive me. Yes, Miss Cassaway? Well, I've been trying to explain to Mr. Trevor, but he simply insists upon talking to you. Oh, Julia. He's on the cathedral committee, isn't he? Well, go ahead, dear. You'd better talk to him. Yes, Mr. Trevor. Very well, Mr. Trevor. I'll be there. 10.30 tomorrow morning. Good night. You may as well go home now, Miss Cassaway. Oh, but there's still a great deal of work to do, sir. You're a secretary, not a machine. Now run along. Oh, thank you. Oh, and don't forget, you have a speech to make tomorrow at the Junior Assembly. Oh, no. What time? It's a luncheon meeting, one o'clock. Good night, Bishop. Good night, Miss Cassaway. Oh, God, what am I to do? Can't you help me? Can't you tell me? Oh, God, please, please help me. Yes? Good evening. Oh, what can I do for you? That isn't the question, Henry. Oh, well, what is it? What can I do for you? Look, I'm afraid uh, you, you must telephone for an appointment. I'm in the middle of dinner. I know, Henry. But you asked for help, you know. I asked... Who told you I asked for help? Well, you are known to be a good man and you were heard. I was instructed to come here in answer to your prayer. Who are you? I'm an angel. I beg your pardon? An angel. An angel. I knew it. I knew it. I've been working too hard. Now, 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 now. Don't be alarmed. I, I know it's hard to believe even for you, but this is my district and I... Do you mind if I sit down? No, no, please. Do. And now let's see. You have some problems concerning the building of a new cathedral. Yes. Oh, here. Here's a picture of it. Beautiful. Magnificent. Well, Henry, do you believe I am what I say I am? Oh, how can I? Nothing but your word for it. But you are a bishop. You, of all people, can trust the word of an angel. Well, what do you propose to do? Perform a miracle? If necessary. Oh, why don't you? Why don't you create a cathedral with a wave of your hand? Oh, no, no. You wouldn't want me to do that, would you? 
How would you explain it? Well, I... Uh, Henry, well... is anything wrong? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had a caller. Oh, how have you been, Julia? I'm Dudley. Henry is engaging me to help him with his work. You mean you're going to be his assistant? That's it, exactly. I'm going to try to help Henry to get some relaxation. Oh, that's just what I've been praying for. Oh, you too. Henry, I'm so relieved, dear. Where do you come from, Dudley? Oh, all around. Julia, this man claims that he's an... I, uh, I've been doing social service work downtown. Uh, Julia, if you don't mind, I must talk to this gentleman alone. We were just having dinner, Dudley. Won't you join us? Well, that's very kind of you, but I really must go. I'll see you both in the morning. In the morning? Oh, yes. Bright and early. I'll wait in the dining room, Henry. Good night. Oh, good night, Julia. Are you, uh... Are you sure you're an angel? <laughs> oh, I... I know it isn't easy, Henry, but you've just got to take me on faith. Yes, but for how long? How, how long will it take? Until you can utter another prayer and say that you have no further need of me. Then I'll be gone and forgotten. Julia's waiting, Henry. Yes, I know, but I still don't understand. Dudley! Dudley, where are you? Dudley! What's wrong, Henry? You look so pale. I, uh, do I? Sit down, dear. Henry, what's the rest of Dudley's name? I don't know. Why, Henry, you're trembling. I'm not surprised. A lesser man would, would quiver. Well, you'll feel better after you've eaten. Matilda's baked your favorite dessert, dear. Angel food cake. <laughs> Henry, Henry, what is it? Bishop, Bishop Rome. Oh, good morning, Miss Cassaway. I, I was just in your study, sir. There's a man in there. He says he's your new assistant. Oh, then he did come back. He says we're going to be working together. Yes, it doesn't seem much I can do about it. Well, well run along to the office, Miss Catsaway. I'll, I'll go in and see him. Yes, sir. Well, here I am, Henry. Completely at your service. Now, it may interest you to know I didn't sleep 20 minutes last night. I don't mind adding I'm, I'm in a highly nervous condition. Oh, well, then the first thing we'll have to... Oh, good morning, Julia. Good morning, Dudley. It's a lovely day. Lovely. Henry and I are going out together. Oh, Julia, I'm... Terribly sorry, but we can't. I, I got to see Mr. Trevor at 10.30, and, and after that, there's the junior assembly. But you promised, Henry. Yes, I, I know I did. But, well, Dudley could represent you at those meetings, couldn't he? Uh, could I? Well, that, that's out of the question. They expect me. It would never do if I sent an, an, an assistant. Uh, excuse us, Dudley. I want to speak to my wife. Oh, of course. In the hall, dear. Julia, you see, the trouble is... Well, that man in there... Oh, I can't explain. You needn't try, Henry. Oh, but you mustn't think... This is the way it is. This is the way it always will be. Well, I'll tell Matilda she can have the day off for Christmas shopping. I'll take care of Debbie. I'll see you at dinner, Henry. What are you doing, Dudley? I'm just looking through your files, Henry. Well, I see that Mrs. Hamilton has pledged a million dollars to the cathedral fund. But she hasn't sent her check. Well, never mind that file. That's work for a bookkeeper, not an... Uh, work for a bookkeeper. Well... So you're beginning to believe in me. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you came from or who sent you. I only wish you'd make haste. Because the cathedral must be built? Well, obviously that's the most important thing. Or because Julia must be happy. It's, it's going to be difficult to help you, Henry, unless I'm sure of what it is that you really want. Yes, well, I, I'm afraid you'll have to excuse me. Mr. Trevor likes punctuality. Well, run along, Henry. This file's in an awful mess. I, I think I'll reorganize it. I still think you're wasting your time on unimportant details. Oh, nothing's unimportant, Henry. Remember, we're interested in even the lowliest sparrow. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. Dee, 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 dee. Oh, hello, Debbie. Well, come in, come in. How 
did you do that just now? All those cards in Daddy's file? You just waved your hand and they all jumped out of the box and jumped in again. Oh, that. Well, it's just my system of rearranging card files. Do it again. Some other time, hmm? You're Dudley, aren't you? Mommy told me. Mommy says you're very nice. Well, that's extremely kind of Mommy. She said that maybe with you here, maybe we'll get to see Daddy once in a while. Yes, maybe we will. Debbie, that'll be enough out of you, dear. Come along. Yes, Mommy. Oh, so you're going out? To huh? the park. I'm going to play in the snow. Goodbye, Dudley. Goodbye, Debbie. Have a good time. Julia. Dudley, I didn't expect to see you here. Oh, I often walk in the park. Well, Debbie seems to be having a fine time. Regular snowbird. Aren't you supposed to be working? I always take a walk before lunch. Relaxing, you know. Oh, I wish you could convince Henry of that. Uh, speaking of lunch, Julia, I thought I'd go to Michelle's. Ever been there? Michelle's? Oh, yes. We used to go there often, years what? ago. How about going there today? You and I to Michelle's? Oh, no. No, I couldn't. Why not? Well, oh, surely you don't think Henry would mind. Oh, no, no, it isn't that. Well, you see, Matilda's off shopping, and I'll have to look after Debbie. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. But here's Matilda now. Hello, Mrs. Brome. Matilda. I just thought, Mrs. Brome, I just thought that if you wish, I'll take Debbie home. But, Matilda, you're shopping. Oh, I finished it. I finished it so quick. It was just like a miracle. Oh, you don't say. I thought Debbie might like to go home and make Christmas cookies. Oh, I'm sure she'd love to, but... Well, then, Mrs. Brome, I'll just go and get her. Well, Julia, Michelle's? I, I think that would be very nice. Good. Dudley. Yes? Just a minute ago, when you said you saw Matilda... Yes? Oh, it's nonsense. Oh, what's nonsense? You were looking the other way when you said you saw her. Oh, I was? I mean... I mean, I thought you were. How silly of me. Wait here, Dudley. I'll say goodbye to Debbie. Julia! Julia, I'm home, Julia. Why, Bishop, I... I thought you were out for lunch. Well, I cancelled my appointment, Matilda. Are Mrs. Brom and Debbie here? Well, Debbie's upstairs, sir, but Mrs. went out to lunch with Mr. Dudley. Oh, well, she said... With Dudley? Oh, why, yes, sir. I, I thought you knew, sir. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, dear. I'm so glad you knew about Michelle's, Dudley. It's so nice to be back here again. Only... Only? Well, you seem to know so much. <laughs> Makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, in that case, I'm sorry I ever learned anything. You have memories of this place, haven't you? Yes. As a matter of fact, it was in this restaurant that Henry asked me to marry him. Yes, I know. You know? I, I mean, I know how you must feel. <laughs> There's a fortune teller over there. You care to have your palm read? No, thank you. Would you? No, I know too much about myself as it is. And I, I know so little about myself. Oh, really? May, may I look at your hand? Can you tell fortunes, too? It's not too difficult. Well, what do you see? <laughs> I never noticed, Julia. Your eyes are green. I see a great deal of happiness. I see a woman who's adored. I see a rich, full life. Do you see Henry's new cathedral? Uh, no. No, I don't. And Debbie? Oh, no need to worry about her. She'll be like you, Julia. She'll have youth and beauty no matter how old she lives to be. I wish I could believe you. 
You may. <laughs> you haven't looked at my hand once. I simply don't know what to think of you, Dudley. Whether you're serious or... Oh, no. Well? That table over there. No, no, don't look. Three ladies, all on the cathedral committee. They're simply glaring at me. Well? They saw you holding my hand. My hand. Oh. Well, then, if you'll excuse me, I'd better do something about it, hadn't I? What did you do to them? Now they're smiling at me. Look, look, they're waving. Well, wave back, Julia. Oh, yes. I didn't do anything to them. Just introduced myself, chatted a moment. They're really very friendly, Julia. They promised to drop by our table a little later. Dudley, may I make an understatement? Oh, please do. You are a very unusual man. I'll let you in on something, Julia. You're quite right. Before our stars return with Act Two of The Bishop's Wife, here's Libby Collins, our Hollywood reporter. John, I have wonderful news for movie fans. Jean Tierney is back in her first picture since her new daughter was born. 20th Century Fox gave her the lead in Whirlpool, a top-notch thriller. There are a kleptomaniac, a hypnotist, blackmail, and a murder charge in it. Well... Sounds like a real spine tingler. Oh, it is. And Jean is wonderful as a wealthy young wife who rebels at living within her husband's income. Who is the lucky man? Richard Conti. But he says he feels a lot safer in man-to-man combat than he does in the love scene. Jean is dynamite on the screen. And a wonderful wife and mother at home. Between takes for Whirlpool, she often sewed or knitted for her two little daughters. She loves detailed handwork. And naturally, when she puts so much time and work into the children's things, she insists they get gentle care. Lux flakes are a standby in her household. That's true of thousands of homes where there are babies and young children. Well, it's especially important to keep their tiny cottons and knitted woolies soft and unshrunken so they can't chafe or bind. Tiny diamonds of Lux burst into suds so fast, make such rich suds, Baby things come out sweet and fresh in a jiffy. And Lux Flakes are so gentle, they keep delicate baby pastels lovely-looking up to three times as long. It's a shame to let wrong washing methods spoil baby things. Actual washing tests show that colors stay fresh-looking up to three times as long with Lux Flakes care. There's no safer care for baby things than gentle Lux Flakes. We return you now to William Keeley. Act two of The Bishop's Wife, starring Tyrone Power as Dudley, David Niven as the Bishop, and Jane Greer as Julia. Reliable authorities tell us that the Christmas season is the happiest time of the year. But it's anything but that for young Bishop Henry Brown. Determined to build a cathedral, he can't raise the money. And if that isn't trouble enough, he finds his prayers have been answered in the person of a young, handsome, and full-fledged angel named Dudley, who seems to find the bishop's wife uh, better company than the bishop. I enjoyed lunch very much, Dudley. Now, don't you think we'd better go home? But I thought you liked to walk. Oh, I do. But... Oh, Dudley, wait. There's a friend of mine. Professor Wotheridge. Professor, wait. Julia, what wonderful luck meeting you again. 
This man. Are you with him? Yes, of course. Dudley, this is Professor Wetheridge. Oh, the professor knows me well. The University of Vienna. Young man, I don't believe you've ever been near Vienna. Dudley is Henry's new assistant. You mean you really know this fellow? Of course I do. Well, in that case, how about dropping into my humble diggings for a bit of Yuletide cheer? Oh, I'd huh? love to, but only for a moment. Uh, come along, uh, Dudley. It's just around the corner. Well, Professor, when are you going to show us your book? My book? <laughs> Never. Please. Oh, you're writing a book? You didn't know? You didn't tell me. I described the book in detail in the course of those lectures I gave in Vienna. Julia, I'm now certain this fellow's an imposter. Oh, oh, that book. Oh, I thought you finished that one years ago. Oh. Oh, I see. No, no, for 20 years I've talked about that book, but in all that time I haven't written a word, not one word. But why not? Because I can't think of anything original to say. Just the same old monotonous history, dry as dust. I never could find the right words, either to tell to a pretty girl or to write a book. Even when you had this coin to inspire you? Well, that's the coin you gave to Henry, Professor. Yes, I borrowed it from Henry's desk. And you wasted your time. It's worthless. Oh, on the contrary. This coin is one of the rarest of all antiquities. Only 100 of these coins were minted by Julius Caesar 2,000 years ago. That was when Cleopatra visited Rome. Presumably, these coins were used to pay her hotel bill. Why, that's amazing. And nobody knew about it except Caesar's wife, and she had the coins destroyed. But this one she overlooked. It's an unwritten chapter in history, and you, Professor, will write it. Do you know any more stories like that? Oh, any number of them. Oh, you're a curious fellow, Dudley. Have you just begun to notice that? Where do you come from? Well, what if I told you that I come from another planet? Would you believe me? I don't know. I'd believe you, Dudley. And you'd be right, Julia, as always. We all come from our own little planets. That's why we're all different. That's what makes life interesting. Oh, it's getting late. I must be leaving, really. Oh, sorry, Professor. Uh, my wine bottle wasn't empty. We could say goodbye with another drink. Empty? Oh, yes, I had barely enough for... for the bottle. It's half full. Oh, well, save it for next time, Professor. Uh, I'm really getting old when I can't see what's inside a wine bottle. <laughs> Dudley... Yes, my friend? There's one thing that troubles me greatly. Well? To write a history is a tremendous task. I wonder, will I have time to finish it? You'll finish it. You'll have time. I don't know why I'd ask you that question. How would you know? Yet somehow I believe you. You see, for quite a while now, every time I passed a cemetery, I felt as if I were apartment hunting. <laughs> Goodbye, Professor. Come and see us, please. I will. I will. Goodbye, and... God bless you both. I'll pass that recommendation along. Thank you, Professor. They're coming up the walk now, Bishop. Mrs. Brom and Mr. Dudley. Oh, they are. Well, I hope dinner isn't spoiled, Matilda. Oh, no, sir. I have sort of a feeling they might be late. Very considerate of you. Henry? Good evening, Julia. I'm sorry I'm so late, dear. Oh, hello, Henry. Good evening, Dudley. We had the most marvelous time. Oh, I wish you'd been with us. Yes, I wish I had. Is Debbie asleep yet? She's waiting to see you. Oh, good. I'll go right up. I trust you spent a profitable afternoon, Dudley? Oh, yes. Yes, did you have a profitable afternoon, Henry? Not very. Dudley, I'd like to see you for a moment. I mean, here, in my study. Certainly. Well, this won't take long, but I'd, I'd rather not be interrupted. You'll excuse me if I lock the door. Dudley, I simply cannot go on like this. Can you prove to me that you are an angel? Proof? You mean a, a document? Oh, surely you of all people should know that angels need no passports. I'd be a lot happier if I could see you perform a miracle. 
Well, what kind? Well, make this desk rise up and fly around the room. Oh, Henry, Henry, please. I, I didn't come here to do tricks. I'm surprised at you. I don't believe you are an angel at all. I think you're a demon right out Henry, of... no. No, don't say that word. Well, anyway, now you know how I feel. Yes. Now, wait a minute, Dudley. I'm not through yet. There's another matter. I... The door. I locked that door. Uh, he just opened it and walked out. Dudley! Oh, wait a minute. Dudley! <laughs> now it's locked again. Oh. Dudley! Just run upstairs, dear, to say goodnight to Debbie. Oh. Oh. Anything wrong? Oh, no. No, no. no nothing. Oh, you... You look very well, Julia. You... Very bright and gay. I feel gay, Henry. I think... I think you're an excellent wife, Julia. Why, why, thank you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the well-ordered life we lead, and I want you to know that I think the credit for that is due to you much more than to me. Thank you again, dear. Do you think I'm an excellent husband? Of course, dear. Henry, I hope you're going to take things easier now. I mean, with Dudley here. I think he's very able. You do? Yes. He knows so many things. What, for instance? Well, you should have seen him this afternoon. We met Professor Wetheridge. Why, Dudley knows more about history than he does. He should. He'd been at it longer. What? Oh, nothing. I'll go up and see Debbie now, dear. Don't you know any stories, Mr. Dudley? Oh, I know hundreds of stories, Debbie. I think it would be very nice of you to tell me one. Well, I know a story that happened many, many years ago about a boy who lived in a little town. Well, what was his name? His name was David. He was a shepherd, and the town where he lived was called Bethlehem. Oh, I know Bethlehem. That's where the star was. That's right. Only David lived long before the star. Well, one night David was out in the hills tending his sheep. He was playing the harp and singing. And then all of a sudden, an angel came down and spoke to him. How did David know he was an angel? Oh, he didn't know. And that's the way it always is. Angels come down and put ideas into people's heads, and then people feel very proud of themselves because they think it was all their own idea. Well, anyway, this angel spoke to David. One of your lambs has strayed, he said. So David put aside his harp and went out into the darkness to find the lamb. Of course, the angel guided him. And when David found the lamb, he saw a great ferocious lion there. Oh, dear. So David said to the lion, you get away from that lamb. And the lion said, you get away from me or I'll eat you too. Did David run away? Oh, no. No, the angel put another idea into his head. And David took out his sling and hurled a stone right between the lion's eyes. Served him good and right. Yes, I think it did. And David picked up the lamb and carried it back to the fold. And then he felt so happy that he took his harp and he made up a new song. It started like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Oh, come in, Henry. I think you can tell the rest of this. Uh, some other time. Well, good night, Daddy. Good night, darling. Now, if you're ready, Dudley, so is dinner. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. So right after dinner, Henry, we'll get a taxi and go down to St. Timothy's. St. Timothy's? Tonight? Of course, dear. The choir's rehearsing for the benefit they... Henry, we promised Mr. Miller we'd... Oh, Julia, I, I telephoned Mrs. Hamilton this afternoon. Henry... I apologized to her for some of the things I'd said. I had to, and she said I might call on her tonight. But the rehearsal's just for you. A million dollars for Mrs. Hamilton, dear, is far more important. 
Besides, Mr. Miller will be delighted to see you. You're his bishop, Henry. And besides, uh, I just don't like going alone. Oh, my, uh, my evening seems quite free, Henry. Oh, no, 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 definitely not. You, you've done enough already. Well, I was about to suggest that I see Mrs. Hamilton and you take Julia to St. Timothy's. You and Mrs. Hamilton? Oh, oh, oh no. Well, it's just a suggestion. Dudley, would you mind very much going with me? Julia! Yes, Henry? Well? I think that might be a very good solution. Thank you, Dudley. You're welcome, Henry. Oh, I'm delighted to see you. Hello, Mr. Miller. Oh, this is Mr. Dudley, the bishop's new assistant. Oh, Mr. Dudley, a pleasure. Thank you. The bishop will try to get here later, Mr. Miller. Something important came up. Oh, of course, he's such a busy man. He didn't want to delay rehearsal. Uh, Mrs. Brome, uh, I'm terribly embarrassed. Uh, look over there. Only two of the boys have come. Oh, it's just too difficult, I suppose, trying to compete with basketball and Christmas. I wouldn't worry, Mr. Miller. They'll all show up. Hiya, boys. Hi. What do you sing? Me? Oh, first soprano. Any good? I doubt it. Well, how about giving out? You, you mean alone? Well, you've got Rupert with you. Hiya, Rupert. Hi. Well, what do you say? It's okay by me. Fine. I'll start you off at the piano. <laughs> some of the other boys. Why, why, yes. Maybe basketball isn't so important after all. The stars in the sky looking down You can be proud of them, Mr. Miller. They sing beautifully. They've never sung so well. Never. And look, they're all here now. I don't understand. Oh, if Henry could hear this. Like, like angels. Better, believe me. Jaws Professional 1-1219194 Lux Radio 1-2201948 Miracle on 1-2211953 Peter Pan.Wav 1-2231940 Young Thomas Edison 1-2251939 Pinocchio.Wav 1-2261938 Snow White and the Sea 1-2251 Christmas 1 Man Family Through Their Conquences for L. Lux Radio Theater 4003252056 Remember the Night. Lux Radio Theater 4012232187 Young Tom Ed. Lux Radio Theater 4212213075 The Pied Piper. Lux Radio Theater 4312204119 Dixie.
Lux Radio Theater 4412184162 Berkeley Square Lux Radio Theater 4512245107 I'll be seeing you Lux Radio Theater 4612235151 Do you love me? Lux Radio Theater 4703105162 It's a wonderful life Lux Radio Theater 47122F596 Miracle on Lux Radio Theater 4812206137 Miracle on Lux Radio Theater 491219F682 The Bishop's Wife Enter Lux I mean, here, in my study. Certainly. Dudley? Only two of the boys have come. They'll all... In the sky, looking down... You can be proud of them, Mr. Miller. They sing beautifully. They've never sung so well. Never. And look, they're all here now. I don't understand. Oh, if Henry could hear this. Like, like angels. Better, believe me. I'm so relieved, Bishop Rome. You needn't make any further apologies. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Hamilton. And in view of your generosity, the George B. Hamilton Memorial Chapel shall be located wherever you specify in the new cathedral. Well, now we're getting somewhere, aren't we? Oh, there's another matter. That window depicting St. George and the dragon. Yes? I should very much like the countenance of St. George to resemble my late husband. Oh. Uh, who do you see as the dragon? Oh. Oh, any dragon. Thank you. Well, now that we're in such complete accord, would you, would you mind very much if we postpone the details? Julia's waiting for me at St. Timothy's. Very well. We can go over the plans when I transfer the funds. Thank you so much. I, well, uh, that's strange. Is anything the matter? Well, this chair, I can't get up. It's stuck to my... I mean, I'm stuck to it. Stuck to the chair? Yes, it doesn't seem quite right, does it? Stevens! Stevens, come here, please. Yes, madam? There is something wrong with the bishop's chair. Oh, madam... It must be the new varnish. The furniture people should have warned us. I do hope I'm not harming the chair. Oh, this is preposterous. Awkward situation, isn't it? Perhaps you'll give a little pull at the back, Stevens. Yes, sir. <coughs> Again, please. Oh, your trousers, sir. I'm afraid if we pull any more... Mrs. Hamilton, might I use the telephone? Yes, of course. It's right over there. Can you walk? After a fashion. <laughs> that chair, madam, it, it clings to him like a brother. Well, do something, Stevens. Call the shop. Get a plumber. Hello? Matilda, uh, this is Bishop Rome. I'm at Mrs. Hamilton's. I want you to come here at once with another pair of trousers. Hmm? Well, what difference does it make? Just bring me another pair of trousers. Thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry this has happened. Oh, if I could only get in touch with Julia or Dudley or... Dudley! This is all his doing. Dudley! No, 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 Bishop, don't be nervous. Uh, have a chair, Bishop. I have a chair. <laughs> Imagine what happened to Henry. He was so sure he'd meet us there. Well, I, I uh, well, I suppose he's detained at Mrs. Hamilton's. Oh, of course. You know, Dudley, it's a strange thing. You seem to be able to make me feel as if everything's going to be all right. Everything could be all right for everyone, Julia, if people would only learn to behave like human beings. It's a lovely night, isn't it? 
Oh, driver, could you take us through the park, please? But that's out of your way, lady. You're getting bored with us, driver? Say, I'll drive it by way of Mexico City if you want me to. That's the trouble with this country. Too many people who don't know where they're going, they want to get there too fast. I'd call you two very unusual people. Oh, thank you. You're very perceptive. You know your destination, but you're in no hurry to get there. And you're not reluctant to invest an extra four bits for a detour with Mother Nature. Get crazy yourself and watch where you're going. Oh. oh, that was really a close one. Holy smoke. Did you see the way I missed that truck? Like, like a miracle. Yes, I know, but uh, just don't overplay your hand. Hey, hey, look, they're ice skating over there. Oh, so they are. Julia, we're going ice skating. Oh, no. No, we mustn't. It's too late. We couldn't. Do you really think we could? You can stop here, driver. We're going ice skating. Oh, and you too. Well, this is it, Sylvester. What do I owe you? Not a cent, my friend. Want to know why? Because you and the little lady here have restored my faith in human nature. Well, good night, Dudley. Good night, Julia. Good night, Sylvester. Sylvester is a noble soul. His children and his children's children will rise up and call him blessed. Oh, this has been the most wonderful evening I've had in years. It's the most wonderful evening I've had in centuries. You're a beautiful skater, Julia. In fact, you're beautiful. Well... Well, you've come home. Oh, hello, Henry. Henry, what happened to you? I thought you were going to meet us at St. Timothy's. What happened to you? It's almost 10 o'clock. You'll never guess, Henry. We've been ice skating. Ice skating? Yes. You should have seen Dudley. He's marvelous, Henry. Oh, and those boys at St. Timothy's. The way they sang. It was simply heavenly. I'm sure it was. Did you have a successful meeting with Mrs. Hamilton? Quite satisfactory, thank you. Good. I'll be right down, Henry. Dudley? Yes, Henry. Whatever went on these last few hours, there's one thing I'm sure of. Julia is absolutely blameless. Oh, of course she is. But you, you deliberately stopped me from joining you by the seat of my pants. Henry, if you had sent me to represent you with Mrs. Hamilton, I would have gone. But you didn't, so I represented you with your wife. Oh, is that part of the normal duties of, a, of an angel? Well, sometimes, Henry, angels must rush in where fools fear to tread. I haven't the faintest idea what that means, and I don't want it explained to me. In any event, you can go now, Dudley. I have solved my problem. Mrs. Hamilton is giving the money for the cathedral. But that was a foregone conclusion, providing you were willing to make a slight sacrifice of your principles. Now, don't you think it's worth it for this, this glorious edifice? I'm not so sure of its glory at a time like this. Oh, you're not? Now, these are rather lean years for the world, Henry. So many people need food, so, so many need shelter. That big roof could make so many little roofs. I'm dealing with a materialistic, selfish woman. She wouldn't listen to talk like that. Did you try? You came here so that I could have a cathedral. Well, I've got a cathedral. And I want you to get out of my house and out of my life and away from Julia. Suppose you pray for that, Henry. After all, it was prayer that brought me here. Very well. I'll pray. Uh, 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 Henry, I'm afraid that's no prayer. It was right from my heart. I want you to go. Julia doesn't. Julia, get out. Get out. Julia is about to come down those stairs. Don't let her see you like this, Henry. Try to calm yourself. Dudley? He's gone. Oh, Debbie's awake. She wants to say goodnight to him. I just told you Dudley is gone. But where? How should I know? 
But why did he leave so suddenly? Because I got rid of him. I told him to go away. I fired him. Why? Because he's incompetent. He's no good at his job, and I cannot stand the sight of him. Henry. Believe me, Juliet, I know what I am doing. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. After a brief intermission, our stars will return with Act Three of The Bishop's Wife. Our special guest tonight is the well-known dress designer of the Samuel Goldwyn Studios, Mary Wills, who's responsible for many of the stunning fashions we see on the screen. What was your latest assignment, Mary? My foolish heart for Mr. Goldwyn. That picture fascinated me so, I hated to see them finish it. You know, Susan Hayward is splendid in the highly emotional role of, of a woman who gives everything for love. And Dana Andrews is the man in her life was never better. He's one of my favorites. Yes, their tender love scenes are beautifully done. Miss Hayward took a great interest in the details of her costumes for my foolish heart, especially stockings. She insisted they be very sheer and fit perfectly. And she always insists on Lux flakes to keep them that way, Mr. Kennedy. These tiny diamonds of Lux are the favorite stocking care of a great many stars. We always use them at the studio. They suds wonderfully fast and freshen nylons in a hurry. Besides, we find stockings last much longer. That's been proved by scientific strain tests. Identical stockings rubbed with cake soap or washed with a strong soap went into runs much sooner than those washed with Lux Flakes. The Lux stockings lasted twice as long. Miss Hayward likes to choose a single stocking shade that blends with a variety of costumes and then orders it in quantity. A thrifty idea for a girl on a budget. If one pair is damaged, the odd stocking can always be matched. Lux Flakes keep colors truer. Make stockings last longer, too. No wonder over 90% of the makers of stockings recommend Lux Flakes. Here's our producer, Mr. William Keeley. The curtain rises on the third act of The Bishop's Wife, starring Tyrone Power as Dudley, David Niven as The Bishop, and Jane Greer as Julia. have passed since Dudley disappeared, much to the relief of Bishop Henry Brown. And now it's early evening on Christmas Eve. Here's the list of your calls, Bishop, ending at Mrs. Hamilton. Oh, and there's a taxi waiting for you outside. Thank you, Miss Gassaway. If you're through typing my sermon before I'm back, just leave the copies on my desk. Yes, sir. I'm sorry to keep you so late on Christmas Eve. Oh, it's all right, sir. Bishop Brown? Yes? There's still no word from Mr. Dudley. Miss Cassaway, I discharge Mr. Dudley. There's no reason at all to hear from him. Yes, sir. Now, if you don't mind, please tell Mrs. Brougham that the taxi is waiting. We can go to the Tropshire's first, Henry, then the Vandals. Julia! Hiya, Julia! Sylvester, well, what are you doing here? Well, when the call came in for a cab, I sure hightailed it over here. I was hoping there'd be another skating party. Hey, where's Dudley? I don't know. Look! You got a preacher with you? Yes, uh, this is... Uh, don't, don't, don't tell me. A wedding. You and Dudley. Sylvester, this is my husband, Bishop Brom. How do you do? Oh. A 
And now, if you don't mind, we'd uh, like to go to North Maple Street by taxicab, Sylvester, not ice skates. Good evening, Miss Cassaway. Uh, Mr. Dudley. Did I startle you? Oh, yes, I... I didn't hear you come in. But where have you been? Oh, here and there, Miss Cassaway. Why, we've been so worried about you. And poor Mrs. Brome, she's been popping in and out of here all day. Have I seen you? Have I heard from you? Where is she? She and the bishop are making Christmas calls. Oh, they'll be home. Oh, yes, sir. After Mrs. Hamilton's. Then they go to St. Timothy's for the midnight service. You should be home, too, Miss Cassaway. I'll type that sermon for you. Oh, no, no. The bishop told me It's Christmas Eve. You should be with your family. Well, if you really... Oh, thank you, Mr. Dudley. Merry Christmas, Mildred. Oh, Merry Christmas, Dudley. <laughs> Henry's Christmas sermon. A new cathedral. Mrs. Hamilton's magnificent gesture. Money. Pledges needed. <laughs> Sorry, Henry, but that's no sermon for Christmas. Suppose you tell them... Suppose you tell them the story of an empty stocking. Once upon a midnight clear, there was a child's cry. A blazing star hung over a stable, and wise men came with birthday gifts. We have forgotten many things during the centuries, but not that night. is calling, sir. Oh, I'm Dudley Stevens, Bishop Brougham's new assistant. Would you mind telling Mrs. Hamilton I'm here? I don't believe she's expecting you, sir. Oh, I'm sure she isn't. Uh, yes, sir. I'll wait in the music room. The music room, sir? Yes, there's a harp in there. Uh, I wonder if she'd mind Oh, if... I'm afraid she would, sir. Oh. Well, in that event, you'd better hurry off and tell her. Uh, yes, sir, I shall. Good evening, Mrs. Hamilton. This is a beautiful harp you have. My butler said you told him you're Bishop Brougham's assistant. Oh, yes, Mrs. Hamilton. The bishop will be along a little later. That music you're playing. I thought you'd recognize it. There's no one living who knows that composition, except me. What a shame that Alan Cartwright died, that only you and I would know his music. Alan Cartwright died nearly 40 years ago, you couldn't have known him. I'm much older than you think. Mrs. Hamilton, tell me about him, about Alan Cartwright. What is there to tell? He was the only man I ever loved. But I was afraid of poverty, so he went away and I never saw him again. Why am I telling you this? And so you married the rich George Hamilton. I made George happy, I think. And since he died, I've spent a fortune honoring his memory. In empty monuments. How did you know about Alan Cartwright? It doesn't matter. Oh, Mrs. Hamilton, they're at the front door now. Henry and Julia. I can't see them now. I can't. Yes, yes, you'll see them. You'll go to the hall and you'll greet them in your usual warm-hearted manner. You'll come with me and you'll stay, won't you, Dudley? Uh, no, no, I'm afraid I can't. I have a great deal of work to do. Oh. Bishop and Mrs. Brome are here, madam. Now, don't keep them waiting. How do you do, Mrs. Hamilton? Uh, Julia, how nice of you to come and see me. And Henry, Merry Christmas. Uh, Henry, I said Merry Christmas. 
Oh, yes. Merry Christmas, Mrs. Hamilton. Oh, and no more of this Mrs. Hamilton business. My name is Agnes. And now we can all... Oh, he's gone. Oh, he's gone already. Gone? Who? Dudley. He was here. I might have known it. But where did he go? Oh, oh, that poor man. He said he had so much work to do. Really, Henry, you must make him take some rest. Are you trying to make him do just that? Oh. Oh, I can't thank you enough for sending him to me. Meeting Dudley? Oh, I know it sounds ridiculous, but meeting him has been the greatest spiritual experience of my life. How did you ever find him, Henry? More or less of, a, of an accident, I suppose. Or more or less of a miracle. Oh, it was. It was. Talking with this wonderful, understanding man has... has... Henry, I've suddenly changed my mind about the cathedral. You have? Yes. I'm going to give my money to those who need it. To the poor, the homeless, the unappreciated. And I want you to direct the spending of it. Now you see what Dudley's done, Henry. Yes, I... I see. And you understand. Mrs. Hamilton, Julia... Forgive me, but I, I have to leave. There's someone I must see immediately. Henry. Henry, my dear fellow, sit down, sit down. Professor Wuthridge, I, I just had to see you. I'm delighted. Here, here, Henry, here. A glass of sherry. No, no, thank you. Oh, Professor. but I insist. Henry, you see this bottle? Now, now watch. I filled two glasses. Behold, the bottle is still half full. And what's more, the sherry itself, it stimulates, it warms, it inspires. But no matter how much you drink, it never inebriates and the contents never diminish. Always half full. Dudley's been here? Yes. <laughs> and that bottle isn't all. He told me to look up some ancient texts in the library, which no living scholar has ever been able to decipher. I read them as if they were English. Oh, let's face it, Henry. This Dudley fellow is not like the rest of us. He says he's an angel. An angel? That's funny. Nothing stopped me from saying it that time. Angel. He says he's an angel. From... from heaven? That I'm not so sure about. <laughs> an angel. It's too bad. He's such a nice fellow. Oh, he's brought nothing but disaster to me. Oh, that's absurd. He and Julia were here the other day. She seemed happier than she'd been in years. He's made her despise me. Are you sure? That's why I've come to see you. Do you think it's all my own fault, Professor? Oh, you don't have to answer. I asked for this in more ways than one. I suppose that Dudley came to me just to confirm that I had already lost Julia's love. Well, if there's anything I can do, Henry... No, I... there's nothing anyone can do. Yeah, but there must be. You and Julia love each other. You always have. It's only partly true. I love Julia. Well, then why don't you fight for her? Fight? How can I fight against... But you have a tremendous advantage over him. Advantage over an angel? Precisely. He is an angel. Julia's a creature of Earth. She's a woman, Henry, and you're a man. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, and <laughs> if I were you, I'd get myself home. Home. That's where he'll be, waiting for Julia. Excuse me. Uh, 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 happy Christmas. <laughs> Henry, is that you, dear? Hello, Julia. Dudley. I came to say goodbye. I have to be moving along. Oh. Well, where will you be going? Wherever they send me. They? My superior officers. Will we ever see you again? Well, they seldom send us twice to the same place, Julia. We might form attachments. I don't know what you're talking about. No, of course not. Julia. Julia, I don't want to leave. Why? 
Well, there are a few people who know the secret of making heaven here on Earth. And you are one of those rare people. You... You frightened me. Dudley, I think you ought to go. Julia, please, don't send me away. What are you saying? That I'm... I'm tired of being a wanderer. I'm tired of an existence which is neither hot nor cold, hungry nor full. No. No, you must go away. And never come back. Don't look at me like that. Dudley. No. Henry! Henry! It's all right, Julia. It's all right, my darling. Go upstairs, dear. I'll handle this alone. As for you, Dudley, I have never before had to fight an angel. But I suggest you take off your coat and put up your dukes. Now, why do you want to fight me, Henry? Because you're a thief trying to steal the love that belongs to me. Henry, do you realize that as an angel, I could quite possibly destroy you with a bolt of lightning? I don't care. Julia means more to me than my life. I'm not going to lose her. Ah. Ah. Then I have news for you. I'm going. I'll accept that as a fact when I see it happen. Oh, no, you won't. Because when I'm gone, you will never know that an angel visited this house. And Julia? What about her? There will be no memory with her either. Or with Debbie or the professor or anyone else. Oh, I don't trust you. You may, Henry, because your prayer's been answered. That's not true. I prayed for a cathedral. No, no, Henry. You, you prayed for guidance. And that's been given to you. I'm being paged. Uh, just a minute, please. <laughs> Goodbye, Henry. If... If we should need you again, will you come back? No, not I. I'm requesting an assignment at the other end of the universe. Is that because I was so difficult? Oh, no. No, no. This difficulty was in me. When an immortal finds himself envying the mortal trusted to his care, it's a definite signal of danger. Yes, yes, I heard you the first time. <laughs> now, now go upstairs. Take her in your arms, Henry, and kiss her for me, you lucky Henry. Julia, Julia. Quiet, darling. You'll wake Debbie. Are you all right? Oh, yes, of course I am. Henry, did you get that for Debbie? Get what for Debbie? That little angel there on a bed. Why, no. I can't imagine where it came from. Henry... Henry, what is it? I don't know. I, I have the most inexplicable feeling of happiness. Why, so do I. Oh, Julia, I love you, Julia. I love you, Henry. Listen, the bells from St. Timothy's. It's almost midnight. You'll have to hurry. Oh, my sermon, it was all about the cathedral. It will never do now. Don't worry, dear. You'll think of something. Something even better. Merry Christmas, Henry. Merry Christmas, darling. midnight clear, there was a child's cry. A blazing star hung over a stable, and wise men came with birthday gifts. We have forgotten many things through the centuries, but not that night. We celebrated with stars on Christmas trees, with the sound of bells, and with gifts, but especially with gifts. You give me a book, I give you a tie. Aunt Martha has always wanted 
an orange squeezer, and Uncle Harry could do with a new pipe. Oh, we forget nobody, adult or child, all the stockings are filled, all that is except one. And we have even forgotten to hang it up, the stocking for the child born in a manger. It is his birthday we're celebrating. Don't let us ever forget that. Let us ask ourselves what he would wish for most, and then let each put in his share. Loving kindness, warm hearts, and a stretched out hand of tolerance. All the shining gifts to make a peace on earth. Our stars will return for their curtain calls in a moment. Libby, since you gave your prize recipe last week for making Christmas snow, we've been swamped with letters asking us to repeat it. Oh, well, I'm not a bit surprised, John. It's such a novel decoration for a Christmas tree. The branches look as if they were covered with freshly fallen snow. The kids especially have asked about it. You said it was easy. Oh, it is. They can do it without any help from grown-ups. Just add two cups of lukewarm water to a large box of Lux Flakes. Whip with an egg beater until it's the consistency of thick whipped cream. Then spread the mixture on the tree branches with your fingertips. It dries in about an hour. And it lasts as long as the tree. When it's dry, add your lights and ornaments as usual. You can use fewer ornaments, though, because Lux Christmas Snow is a decoration in itself, and so inexpensive. Lux Flakes is another fine product of Lever Brothers. Better order some extra boxes of Lux Flakes tomorrow. You'll want to try Christmas snow on your table centerpieces, too, and on holly wreaths around the house. Your dealer has printed directions for making Lux Christmas snow. Remember, just two cups of water to one large box of Lux Flakes. Now, here's Mr. Keeley with our stars. Our most sincere thanks are due our stars for the joy they brought to this audience tonight. And here they are, Tyrone Power, David Niven, and Jane Greer. Ty, it's good to have you back in Hollywood after all these months. Well, until you... Until you well, I'll try this again, once more. Until you've been away a year and a half, you never know how good home looks. You know, I was just figuring up the other day. In the last four years, I've only been here ten months. Well, I guess you're... Guess you're ready to settle down. <laughs> well, for a, for a few days, David. And then Linda and I are going down to Mexico City to spend New Year's with her family. You travel as much in real life as in the Prince of Foxes. 20th Century Foxes, that is. <laughs> oh. Nice to know you haven't changed a bit, David. <laughs> well, Ty, you certainly had an exciting role in the picture. And your performance merits our congratulations. And this would be a good time to congratulate Jane on the recent arrival in her family. Two boys must be a household, Jane. Oh, two aren't nearly enough. But I will say the Lux Flakes consumption is running rather high. Well, we certainly can help you out there. There's some in the wings for all of you to take home. We appreciate it, Bill. Now, what about next week's play? It's a gay musical, David. <laughs> the Warner Brothers hit, My Dream is Yours. And the stars will be June Haver and Jack Carson. <laughs> My Dream is Yours is a delightful love story full of sparkling songs in just the right mood to top off the Christmas season. That's a wonderful holiday play. Well, good night. Good, good night. night. Good night.
Traditionally, this is the time for an old American custom, going home for Christmas. It's a time of joyful reunion, a time to strengthen the ties that bind each family together. And in the family is our only hope for the future. For from deep in our hearts and our homes must come the fulfillment of the age-old promise of Christmas, the promise of peace on earth and goodwill among men, all men. On behalf of Lieber Brothers Company and of us in the Lux Radio Theater, may I wish all of you the happiest of holidays. you all to join us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Jack Carson and June Haver in My Dream is Yours. This is William Keeley saying good night to you and Merry Christmas. David Niven will soon be seen in the Alexander Carter production, The Elusive Pimpernel. Jane Greer appeared through the courtesy of RKO, producers of Holiday Affair, starring Robert Mitchum and Janet Leigh. Heard in tonight's cast were Willard Waterman as Professor, Eleanor Audley as Mrs. Hamilton, Francis Robinson as Miss Cassaway, and Bill Johnstone, Gilbert Barnett, Philip Teed, Noreen Gamill, Anne Whitfield, Howard McNear, Eddie Marr, and Alan Reed Jr. Our play was adapted by S.H. Barnett, and our music was directed by Louis Silvers. This is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear My Dream is Yours, starring June Haver and Jack Carson. <laughs> Screen stars are thrilled with the new bath size Lux toilet soap. It's so luxurious, they say, leaves such a lovely clinging fragrance on the skin. Try this big satin smooth bath cake nine out of ten screen stars use. Enjoy its rich creamy lather, abundant even in hard water. In a jiffy, it whisks away dust and dirt, makes you sure of skin that's fresh, really sweet. Fastidious women love the delicate Lux Toilet Soap perfume, an exclusive blend of flower fragrances. Rose, lilac, jasmine are just a few. The generous new bath size Lux Toilet Soap is now available everywhere. Get a few cakes tomorrow. The whole family will enjoy the new bath size Lux Toilet Soap. Be sure to listen next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of My Dream is Yours, starring Jack Carson and June Haver. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. December 19, 1949. I had a short track. The first track died. So I had to go to a second copy of that. Bishop Wife. What's there, Pearl? Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful Christmas season. Thank you for the friends we have. Bless Patricia. Bless Kim to help Kim and Bill feel better. Look after Larry. Bless him. Look after him, Lord. Look after my mom and dad, take care of them. Look after all our friends out there, Lord, who are going through physical issues or sickness or whatever during the cold season, Lord. Look after them. Help the needy, Lord, the poor, the hungry, the homeless, 
disfranchised, the ones who don't have friends, Lord, look after them. Bless them all, Lord, for all their children. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Oh, let's play another Lux ammo. Panning set to my escape. Alt tab Lux Radio Theater 49 Lux Radio Lux Radio Theater 47122 F five hundred ninety-six Miracle on Thur Lux Radio Theater 4703105062 It's a wonder Lux Radio Theater 4612235051 Do you love me? Lux Radio Theater 4512245107 I'll be seeing you. Enter. Lux presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Joseph Cotton and Dorothy McGuire in I'll Be Seeing You. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. And to those greetings, may I add our heartiest wishes for a very Merry Christmas. It's a privilege for me, for all of us, to share the enjoyment of this peacetime Christmas Eve with you. Traditionally, Christmas brings people closer together. And that's what happens in our play tonight. The poignant story of two people who find themselves very much in love, but whose yuletide happiness is shadowed by a strange threat. It's David O. Selznick's screen hit, I'll Be Seeing You, starring Joseph Cotton and Dorothy McGuire. In true holiday spirit, one of our listeners in the East has just written me of a Christmas relief bundle that she and a group of women sent to friends and relatives in Lavik, Norway. Knowing that that country hadn't received a scrap of wool in five years, they collected all the woolen garments they could find, sweaters, caps, gloves, socks, dresses. Then, she adds, we knew we must send Lux Flakes to care for them. And so those cheerful blue and white packages of Lux Flakes became an important part of our Christmas bundle. To Mrs. Sorensen, the author of that kind deed, all our thanks. And I'm sure she and her friends will have the lasting thanks of Christmas-cheered Norwegians. Here's the first act of, I, of one of I'll Be Seeing You. Starring Joseph Cotton as Zachary Morgan and Dorothy McGuire as Mary Marshall. On the 24th of December, just one year ago, a girl left the warden's office of the state prison for women. She walked across the wide courtyard to a massive iron gate. What's your number? 40721. Here's my pass. Mm, Mary Marshall? Yes? Wait a minute. Yes? Shelby, North Gate, 40721 with the pass. Check. Let her out. Okay, thanks. You're free as a bird, Julie. How long? Till the 1st. Remember that. Till January 1st. And don't cross the state line. I'll remember. 
And don't forget, we'll be holding that nice little room for you. And on that same morning, in a different section of the same city... I can't tell you how glad I am to see you getting out of the hospital, Sergeant. Thanks, Doctor. I, I wish I had a little more of your confidence. You're not entirely well, no. But the only thing that's holding you back is yourself. I'll do my best. What... What if I should get one of those uh, spells while I'm away? It's possible you will. Call a doctor and then get in touch with us or any other army hospital. Just avoid excitement. Don't tire yourself. Yes, sir. Remember that. You're a normal human being. You've been sick and now you're getting well. Now, let's see. Your leave will be over when? New Year's Day. Just have a good time, Zach. Good luck, and I'm proud of you. Thanks, Doctor. It's quite an adventure getting out in the world again. I'll be fine. Sure, I'll be fine. And that's how, an hour or so later, a girl named Mary Marshall and a soldier named Zachary Morgan looked at each other from opposite seats of a westbound train. Excuse me, but you dropped your magazine. What? Yeah, your magazine. You dropped it. Oh, oh, oh thank you. Going home on a furlough, Sergeant? I'm on a furlough. They, they gave me a furlough. You? Oh, I'm taking a vacation. Christmas vacation. Oh. Uh, what sort of work do you do? Well, I, I, I travel. I'm a traveling saleswoman. Um, sales lady. <laughs> well, I never had any jokes about traveling sales ladies. <laughs> Guess there aren't any. You know, I, I would have guessed you were a secretary or a model, maybe, a school teacher. <laughs> well, I, I was once a secretary, and I wanted to be a model, so that would have been pretty good guessing. Going to Los Angeles? Oh, no, I get off quite soon at Pine Hill. Oh, is that your home? No, I'm just visiting my aunt and uncle. That's funny. I, I'm going to Pine Hill, too. Uh, my sister lives in Pine Hill. Oh, oh well, that will be crazy to see you. So maybe we'll run into each other there. Yes. Say, uh... A cup of coffee or something? A sandwich? Well, I, I, yes, I would. Good. I, I think there's a club car something down this way. Yeah. Oh, 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 I'm my, sorry. My fault. I'm pretty clumsy. I keep bumping into people all the time. Taxi, lady. Taxi. Oh, yes, please. Well, goodbye, Sergeant. Goodbye. Oh, oh wait, wait. If, uh, if anybody tried to phone you, uh, how could they get you? Well, my uncle's in the book, Henry Marshall. Henry Marshall. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, well, uh... What's your name? Mary. Mary Marshall. Mary Marshall. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, if uh, somebody calls and says it's Zachary Morgan, that's, that's me. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know you. Have a good vacation. I will. You too. Oh, uh, hey, mister. Yes? You happen to know of any hotels around here? There's just one sergeant, but it's filled up there, YMCA. Why, yes. You see that church steeple back there? Well, that's Center Street. Just turn to your left and you run right into it. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Sergeant, just this one room left. It'll do fine. I'll take it. Staying here for long, are you? A week or so. I'm, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, about the rent. No I... hurry, boy. Just stop at the desk sometime. And if there's anything you want, you just holler. Thanks, I will. Don't get worried, Frank. Don't get worried. You've got a problem, sure, but it's simple. 
you to hang up your coat, unpack your bag, and put everything neatly away without dropping anything or bumping into the furniture. You think you can do that? Well, let's try. That damn wound is all healed, but the wound in your mind... The wound in your mind is... It'll take a little longer. Don't get too tired. Don't give in. Then you won't get any of those... I suit you have on. Well, thank you. You were thinking something else, too. Well, I guess I was. I just... Well, well, I never knew they gave vacations for people. Well, I didn't know about it either, Barbara, until the warden told me. Yes. In certain states, they give special furloughs to people for good behavior. Oh, I think it's wonderful they have that confidence in you. Yes, I think so, too. Well, I'd better wash up. There are two tie racks, Mary. Yours... Is on the list. Thank you. And the soap. Um, there are two bars here. Yes, I, I thought you might like a new case. It's right there. Mary? Yes, I heard you. I'm not using your soap. Well, I'll run along downstairs. Thank you, Barbara. First, I want to hear about Uncle Henry. How is he? Oh, fine, dear. Except he works too hard. That darn drugstore of his. Oh, I've been so anxious to see him out, Sarah. And you. Mm, that's sweet of you, dear. But I guess you'd be happy to see, well, anybody. Has it been bad, Mary? Oh, I've survived. It's just this feeling I get about coming out into the world. Now, again. you listen to me. You did something and you're paying your debt to society. Most people would be willing to let it go at that. I know, but I, well, I just don't seem to belong. I don't fit in. And... The dreams I've had for the future are just impossible. Well, most dreams are, dear. But I'm not talking about palaces and rainbows. I'm talking about a home like this with a kitchen and a stove and an icebox. And a husband and a child. Yes, I have all that. But I used to dream about palaces and rainbows. But you're happy. Of course. 
because I didn't hold out for too much. I accepted what was second best. You have to get used to accepting what you think is second best, and then you find out that it's first best after all. Oh, Barbara! No, I don't see how that could ever work for me. <laughs> well, I have time to think about it. Lots of time. Telephone. Coming, dear. It's for Mary. For me? Oh, it's this way, dear, in the hall. Oh. It's the man, Mary. He sounds super. <laughs> Come along with me, Barbara. We'll set the table. Hello? Oh, yes, Zach. Of course I meant it. Oh, well, what about your sister? Oh, that's too bad. Well, I'd love to, Zach, but, um... Oh, wait a minute. Yes, dear? It's a soldier I met on the train. Oh? He came to visit his sister, but he just found out she's away and he wants me to go to dinner. But why not ask him here for dinner? May I answer? Why, of course. Tell him to come right over. Hello, Zach. You ought to come here for dinner. Oh, but we want you. Hmm? Oh, 617 Elm Street. That's right. Goodbye. Is he good-looking, Mary? Why, I don't know. Didn't you notice? Now, that's enough, Barbara. Just get the table set. Wow, a soldier for dinner. Dad, can I come in? Dad. Hi. Mother says for you to hurry. Mary soldier will be here any minute. Oh, that's fine. Tell Mother I'll be right down. Dad. What? You know, you never told me anything about Mary. Why was she sent to prison? You can find that out some other time, when you're older. Oh, that's what Mother says. But I still don't see why I shouldn't know. Now, Mary made a little mistake, and that's all there is to it. Don't bother me now. But they don't send you to prison for just doing nothing. What if my friends ask me about it? Just tell them that Mary's your cousin. And from that point on, they can mind their own business. Seems to me that your business might be helping your mother. Oh, Dad. Oh, I'll get it. I'll get it. Sorry, I, th I thought this was in Marshall home. It is. Is Miss Marshall here? I'm Miss Marshall. I mean, uh, Mary Marshall. Oh, well, Father, oh, stop teasing that young man. Oh, I'm Mary Zahn. You're, you're Zag? Yes. Please come in. This is Barbara, my foolish daughter. Oh, hello. Hi. Hello, Zach. Oh, hello, Mary. Oh, well, you found it all right. Mary, take Zach into the living room. Make him comfortable. Henry! Here I go. Come along, Barbara. Oh, Mother. This is swell, Mary. I haven't been in a real home like this in almost as long as I can remember. Oh, it's too bad about your missing your sister. Uh, Mary, I... I'm in this house under false pretenses. I... I really haven't a sister. I just made all that up. Made it up? Yes, when you said you were getting off the train at Pine Hill, I... I had to make some... some sort of excuse so I could get off, too. Oh. Well, good evening. Oh, um, Uncle Henry, this is Sergeant Morgan, my Uncle Henry. Oh, happy to have you here, Sergeant. Thank you. Very happy. Make yourself at home. Uh, <clears throat> how about a little drink? I have some bourbon. Oh, thank you. I, I'm not drinking uh, just now. Well, that's in on a little secret. Neither am I. <laughs> Funny thing, people that have it don't want it. <laughs> people that can't get it. Well, you ought to see the act they put on my drugstore to get that stuff. <laughs> Dinner's ready. Come and get it. Mary. Mary, you sit over here. And Zach, down there. Thank you. And Dad, now, I think you can be over there. Oh, dear. I think I'll say a little blessing. We thank you, God, for our daily bread. We'll do our best to deserve it. Please look after all our dear ones, 
All the boys who are far from home and all are in the hospital. Amen. Mm. You aren't used to saying grace, are you, Zach? Well, in the Army, I guess you don't have time. But you said as if you meant it, sir. I do, Sergeant. Makes me want to say that, well, I'm grateful, too, for, well, for being here, for everything. Oh, thank you, Zach. Hey, you must be quite a soldier. Oh, say that. Oh, let the man eat his soup. But look, the good conduct medal. Two campaigns in the South Pacific and the Purple Heart. For heaven's sake, where'd you learn all that? Girl gets to know medals like she does boogie-woogie. But the Purple Heart, why, that means you were wounded. Oh, come on, Zach. Tell us how you got to be a hero. Barbara, and after dinner, you take off some of that lipstick. Looks as if you fell into a pot of paste. <laughs> Sergeant, you must have been disappointed not to find your sister. Well, oh, yes. Oh, she yes, had a chance yes. to spend the holidays in California. Oh, quite yes. Sudden. Uh, she wasn't expecting that, was she? No, no, she wasn't. Zach, are you mad at me? Huh? No, I'm not mad. Uh, you mad, Mary? No, I, I'm not mad. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Marshall. Well, yes. <laughs> well, that would be mad. Well, no, 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 I don't think anybody's mad. <laughs> well, then, for heaven's sake, pitch in, everybody. Pitch in. After a brief intermission, we'll bring you Act Two of I'll Be Seeing You, starring Joseph Cotton and Dorothy McGuire. Every screen picture started as an idea in the mind of a writer. Tonight, Betty Bryant, wife of Leslie Charteris, one of Hollywood's most famous writer of mystery stories, is here as our guest. Mr. Charteris wrote the famous Saint series and Universal's current thriller, Lady on a Train. Tell me, Betty, I hear Leslie writes very rapidly. What's his secret? Well, for one thing, he never changes a word. Hmm, sounds like genius. He says he really doesn't like writing. He'd rather cook. He does that too. Yes, and I don't mean just steaks and chops. Some of his more sensational recipes take a day to do. Hmm, the most I can handle is scrambled eggs. You know, if I didn't know Leslie had written so many exciting stories, I'd say he'd missed his vocation. Which of his mysteries is your favorite? Well, my favorite story is Saint Overboard. But my real favorite is something the public's never read. The letter Leslie wrote asking me to marry him. He wrote you instead of asking you in person? Well, you see, I was singing in New York and he was working here in Hollywood. And now you're both, both here. Tell me, what does Leslie do besides work? Well, we both love to take our trailer for a quick vacation. Doesn't that mean extra work for you? I like it. We take a minimum of baggage and a box of trusty Lux Flakes, Mr. Keeley. Lux is a wonderful fresher-upper after a dusty ride. You know, for things like underthings and bosses. I'm sure John Kennedy likes to hear you say that, Betty. Yes, and thousands of women all over the country agree with Mrs. Charteris. They've discovered that Lux Care keeps pretty undies, as well as other nice washables, lovely much longer. In actual tests, slips and nighties washed with strong soap, hot water, and rough handling soon looked faded and drab. But with Lux Care, the identical garments stayed lovely three times as long. I don't doubt it, Mr. Kennedy. And if Santa brings me some pretty new lingerie for Christmas, you can be sure that I shall continue to use Lux Care. Well, Betty, I hope Santa is listening in. And many thanks for being with us. We continue with Act Two of I'll Be Seeing You, starring Joseph Cotton as Zack and Dorothy McGuire as Mary. <laughs> It's about three hours since dinner time, and down on Main Street, 
Zack and Mary are just walking out of the lobby of Pine Hills Movie Theater. Zack's face is strained and drawn as he takes Mary's arm and heads aimlessly down the street. What's the matter, Zack? Jay? Hmm? Oh, oh, no, no, not silly. I don't know where you're walking. We go the other way. Oh, all right, sorry. Zack, what's the matter? I just... Nothing, nothing's the matter. It was the picture, wasn't it, about the war? Zack, why didn't you say something? It, it wasn't such a bad picture. Is war really like that? I guess so. You guess so? Well, they have experts making those pictures. I, I guess that's the way they see the war. A beach a mile long and thousands of soldiers and tanks and machine guns. I, I guess that's the way it is. It wasn't that way for you. Well, it, it, it's just the difference in size. To a guy that's in it, the war is about ten feet wide and kind of empty. It, it, it's you and a couple of fellows from your company, maybe, and, and the Japs. It, it, it's all kind of mixed up. Sometimes it's all full of noise, and sometimes it's quiet. It depends on what you're thinking about, I guess. Uh, how, how scared you are, how cold you are, and how wet you are. Mary, you know what? What? I mean, well, usually I, I don't like to talk about the fighting. I, I never said anything about it ever before, not to anybody. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have known. No, no. I I feel kind of good. Let's have a drink or something. All right. There's a place across the street. Yeah, well, let's see what it's like. Let's go across the street. <laughs> this booth all right, sir? Oh, it's fine. Sure you all you want is coffee? <laughs> Positive. Oh, come on, it's Christmas. Sky's the limit. Have a piece of pie with <laughs> Not it. after Aunt Sarah's dinner. <laughs> They're nice people, Mary. You're nice people, too. Here you are. Two cups of coffee. Thank you. Say, I'm an old army man myself. See, Mary. No, thanks. I was in France in World War Number 1. And you know what? They're kidding themselves. This is exactly the same kind of war. Sure you want to have some cream? Thanks. The Navy, Marines, Air Force. Okay, great, great, great. But... This one's going to be just like the last one. A soldier like you and me. Walking out in his own two feet and slugging it out with his rifle. With his spanish. You okay? Hmm? Uh, oh, thanks. You got enough in that bowl? Yeah, plenty. Like I was saying, when this thing starts, I try to sign up again. I tell him I want a chance to knock a couple of Jeff's heads together. I'm strong, see? Squash him like a couple of eggs, I could. But they wouldn't have me. Wouldn't let me fight. Why? On account of this. Look, look. My face, see? Yeah. Go on, go on, look. I don't mind. I see, I see. Zach, are you sure you're all it's right? It's kind of a twitch, see? I got a little show shock. Well, I left me with this. I, nobody ever notices it, but that's what medical turns me down. Now, tell you how I got this. Shut up. What's the matter with him? Dad, where are you going? Hey, what's up, sister? Hitting a bottle, huh? If we walk fast, that we'll get nice and warm. I'm, uh, I'm glad you like walking. Mmm, fine night. Oh, it's Christmas Eve. That's right, it is. Mary, I'm all right now. Thank you. Thank you for not asking any questions. Sometimes I don't like questions either. Let's just walk, hmm? Let's just walk. I'd like to ask you in, Zach, but it's late. Mary, I, and... I think you ought to know something. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could explain it. You probably think it. 
Well, I look fine, don't I? Healthy, don't I? Well, I am. Look, you see this rock? Yes. Well, watch. Watch me at that lamppost down there. Oh, you're terrible. I'll bet I could do better than that. Now, watch me. Sure. Thanks, Mary. Good night. Zach! Zach. Mary? Oh, hello, Barbara. I thought you'd be asleep. I've been writing letters. Look at them all. I'm the pinnacle girl for five fellas. I keep up their morale, maybe. Well, it must be nice to help somebody's morale. Oh, you can write letters. You know, they just like to get mail from anybody. I mean, well, you, you don't have to know them awfully well, too. When I was 17, I had trouble finding the right words, too. Oh, I'm sorry, Mary. I keep hurting you. That's all I do. I keep hurting you, and I don't want to. I guess it's uncomfortable for you to meet somebody like me. But... Maybe when you get to know me, you'll feel differently. Oh, I want to know you, Mary. Really, I do. Barbara, how much do you know about me? Well, not much. Mother and Dad still treat me like a child. Everything's a big secret. I don't think it would hurt you to know. As a matter of fact, it might help. Well, Barbara, when I was 15, my mother died. Oh, I remember her. She used to make clothes for all my dolls. Mm, and not long after that, my father died. I finished school, and then I went to work. In a couple of years, I found myself working for a man, well, the kind of man you dream about when you're 19 and lonely. He was single, he was good-looking, and, well, I started dreaming. Bosses do marry their secretaries. But one night, there was a party. It was the first time he'd asked me anywhere. It was at his apartment, except that when I got there, there wasn't any party, only him. And then, he wouldn't let me leave. He'd been drinking. And, oh, it was all mixed up like some kind of terrible nightmare. Once I almost got away when he fell over a chair. But he caught me and dragged me back. And then I pushed him. I pushed him as hard as I could. And he fell back. There was a low window and he crashed through, screaming and crying for something to hold on to. His apartment was on the 14th floor. Oh, Mary, how awful. But it's wrong. They shouldn't have sent you to prison. If I'd been lucky enough to get away before he was killed, there wouldn't have been any crime. The man was there. The jury said manslaughter. That meant five years. Please forgive me, Mary. Oh, please. It's all right, darling. It's all right. family's just going to church. Well, I, uh, Mary, I, I want to talk to you about last night, and it may take some time. <laughs> well, I have time, plenty of time. There's the bus that leaves the railroad station that goes up to a lake. It, they say it's pretty out there, and we can be by ourselves. Well, it'll be fine, Zach. I'll meet you at the station in 20 minutes, all right? Well, that's fine, Mary. Thank you. And just before they left the church, they insisted you come for Christmas dinner. So no arguments, please. Now, now look, they don't know me from Adam. It's Christmas. Yes, I... it is Christmas. And I'd say that was the best reason of all why you should come. Well, well, well sure, I'll be glad to. <laughs> well, that's better. Look, there's the lake, Zach. Not, not a very big lake, is it? 
we sit here on this rock if it isn't too cold. Well, let's try it out. <laughs> this reminds me of the lake I used to go to when I was a kid back in Maryland. I had a job every spring there, preparing the boats. Oh. Mary, I I want to tell you why I got mad at that man in the coffee shop last night and why I walked away like that after I threw the rock at the lamppost and missed it. You don't have to tell me that. Look. I was brought up in a home, an orphan's home. Well, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, I'm not. It's not like being in prison or anything like that. No. Well, in the home, uh, there was a janitor. He was a shell shock case, too. Whenever we could get our hands on any firecrackers, we'd bang them off and laugh at him the, the way he'd jump. Well, that fellow in the coffee shop reminded me of him, and they, they both made me think of what I'd be in a few years. Only... The only difference is that now they have a fancy word for it, uh, neuropsychiatric. The doctors must know a lot more about it. Maybe they do. But they don't know something about me that I know. You see, before I, I went in for engineering, I was an athlete, a pretty good one. I know what my timing used to be. The doctors don't. It's gone, Mary. I... Why, before this happened to me, I could have hit that lamppost all day. I... I don't know why I'm bothering you with all this. Yes, I do. I'm bothering you because I feel so much better when I talk to you. I like to be with you. I like to be with you. Mary, I, I want to talk about you. Tell me. Um, what? Well, for instance, how did you become a traveling sales lady? Well, I started out wanting to be a model and... After that, I got with this dress company, and now I travel for them. Where? Well, after your vacation, where do you go? Back to Dallas, and then to New Orleans, Florida. Mary, can you make me believe in myself the way you believe in yourself? What makes you think I do? <laughs> I can tell. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you hold your head. Maybe that just pretends to impress you. Look, oh, no. there's a boat down there. Yeah. Oh, not a real boat, just a toy boat. At the edge of the water, see? Oh. Half died down the mud. Yeah, some little kid once owned that boat. Mm -hmm. Probably thought it could take him all around the world and back. I wish it could. I wish we could get on it and... Where would you like to go? Not, not Florida or New Orleans. Some place like the moon, maybe. Mm -hmm. With a good breeze, maybe we could make it. Mary, if it's to wear a real boat, the moon a real place. Would you go? There's no harm in dreaming of that. Yes, I'd go. I'd go. I'm getting to know your uncle's gate very well. This is where we were standing last night. What are you doing? Getting another stone. See how my timing is in daylight. Hey. The idea of knocking it out of my hand. I'm not going to have you run out on me again. <laughs> now come on in the house. Here 
lot. You know, I never could figure it out. If the plum pudding is on fire, why doesn't it ever get burned? It must be the alcohol in the brandy. I guess that's it. Personally, I think that's a terrible waste of good cognac. Oh, don't worry, Henry. There's lots left. Oh, I wouldn't trust Mom with it, Dad. Oh, no, I'm not going to listen to that again. You may not believe this about your dear Aunt Sarah, Mary, but last year she got as high as a... Oh, Henry, nothing. They're trying to drag out a family skeleton, Mrs. Marshall. I won't listen. True as I sit here. Had a glass of sherry to bring in the new year, and by George, you should have seen her. She did about everything but hang. Oh, now, see here, Henry. If you're in such good voice, how about a Christmas carol? Oh, something tells me Aunt Sarah's trying to change the subject. Well, nothing to thought. Christmas carols go with plum pudding, and that's what we're eating, plum pudding. All right, darling, all right. <clears throat> What'll it be? Oh, I think I like Little Town of Bethlehem best. Fine. A little Town of Bethlehem it is. <clears throat> Mimi. <clears throat> Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee light. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. I tell you how I feel. This is the best Christmas I ever had. To think that, that, that you wanted me here, that you all had presents for me. Well, yesterday I was a stranger here. I, 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 I mean, I, I felt like a prisoner inside myself. Oh. Now, well, just to be in a home like this, maybe someplace I can come back to next month or next year. Oh, excuse well, me, please. Did I say something? Oh, oh, no, Zach, no. It's just that Mary's sentimental. Especially, Cole, I'd better... Uh, Oh, Mary. Mary. It, it's all right. I, I'm just so silly. Is it anything I, I did, Mary? Anything to do with what I, I talked about at the lake? It's just a combination of things. The plum pudding and the singing and the very nice things you said. Mary, maybe I'd better get out of here. Oh, it isn't polite to eat. I didn't that. mean just this house. I meant Pine Hill. I ought to leave you alone. You're just fishing. You just want me to ask you to stay. Well, ask me. Please stay, Zach. Mary, I... I'd stay forever if I could. Forever? Well, Mary, dear, time to go turn in, I guess. Been a big day. Mm, and I had to spoil it with that scene at dinner. Now, honey, we'll have no more of that. Barbara? Mommy! Might have happened to any girl. Could have been just Christmas sentiment. Well, good night, Mary. Good night, Uncle Henry. Aunt Sarah? Yes, dear. I've been wondering if I should... Not for the world. But why? Zach, trust me, and, well, it just doesn't seem fair. But he'll only be here for a few days. Why, he mentioned that just now, just before he left. He's lonely. And you're making things pleasant for him. That's not the reason I'm seeing him. I like him, Aunt Sarah. I like him a lot. Well, I assume that, or else you wouldn't have asked him to New Year's dance. But it isn't as if you were going to marry him. No. It's not as if I were going to marry him. Oh, Mary, dear, I didn't mean it like that. I know. Have fun, Mary. See Zach every day, if you like. 
just act like any other girl. I try, Aunt Sarah, but I, I just can't seem to make myself feel like any other girl. I, I just feel like me. And that's pretty darn good if you ask me. Hey, you two, what's good news? Remember, Mary, I don't think so. Uh, good night, dear. Good night. She doesn't think so. What? She doesn't think there really is a Santa Claus. Huh? Oh. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Joseph Cotton and Dorothy McGuire will return with Act Three of I'll Be Seeing You after a brief intermission. Let's pretend we can see into the future. It's Christmas morning at the Browns, and Betty and Jane are opening their presents. Jane reaches for a package from Aunt Sue. Oh, let's open Aunt Sue's together, Betty. They probably brought the line. I wonder what she sent this time. Oh, oh look, stockings. Oh, no, not nylon. No, but they're lovely and sheer. Well, I can use anything I can get my foot in. I'm down to my last pair of stockings. Look, three pairs. Oh, swell. I'll see me through a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks? Why, these will last me for months. So, about a month later, the girls were dressing one morning when... Oh, doggone it. There goes a run. Well, there's the last of my Christmas stockings. Guess little Janie will have to go shopping for herself. Oh, look, Betty. <laughs> you couldn't lend me a pair for today, could you? <laughs> Guess so. Look in the top drawer. Hey, aren't these your Christmas ones? Uh-huh. Well, haven't you worn them much? Of course. But I left them. What do you do with yours? Well, I... Well, I'm not fussy like you. I used anything that happened to be handy. Mm, well, I still have three pairs and no runs. Okay, I guess it serves me right. Don't I get to borrow these then? Oh, sure. Look, I'll even let you keep this pair, but there's a strain to it. Use luck. If you don't get twice the wear you did from your others, you'll have to buy me a new pair. It's a deal. I'll certainly play safe and lux them. It's a safe bet that if Jane does lux her stockings after every wearing, she will cut runs way down. Because strain tests have proved that with lux, stockings retain their elasticity much longer. They don't go into runs nearly so quickly as stockings washed with strong soap or rubbed with cake soap. For extra wear, give stockings gentle lux care. Here's Mr. Keeley at the microphone. We bring you the third act of I'll Be Seeing You, starring Joseph Cotton as Zach and Dorothy McGuire as Mary. Seven days have passed since Zach Morgan and Mary Marshall stepped off a train together at Pine Hill. Christmas has come and gone, and now Pine Hill, like all the troubled world, waits with eager hope the coming of the new year. All the towns gather tonight for the annual dance at the YMCA. My goodness, Jack, there isn't a woman here with pretty corsages. You've thanked a man a dozen times. Let him alone. <laughs> Right, Uncle Henry. You're just afraid Zach's spoiling it. Well, maybe I am. But flowers make you feel so like a party. Oh, there's Amy Anderson. Wait till she sees my lovely communion. Well, that's my cue, Zach. I guess she wants me to leave you. 
Alone in this crowd? How about a dance, Mary? I'd love to, Zach. You know, Mary, two weeks ago, if somebody had told me I'd be dancing with a girl like you, you know what I'd have said? What would you have said? I'd have said, I wouldn't be dancing with a girl like you. <laughs> you know, I used to be pretty good at this sort of stuff. Once, uh... Well, what's happened to the officer? Somebody must have tipped them off. Confidentially, it's just 10 seconds to 1945. New Year's! Uh -huh. Ladies and gentlemen, may I be the first to wish you all a very happy New Year! now with a dog, I mean all evening. I've watched you all the time. You've never hesitated for words and your eyes haven't blinked and, and then just now I, well, I've never seen anyone whose reactions were so fast. I didn't even think about what I was doing. That's just it. And your timing, it was perfect. I hope you're right. I believe you are. Mary, yesterday you, you told me that in a week's time you can do a lot of believing. <laughs> well, you see, I'm that fellow that's on the radio that says life can be beautiful. You're beautiful. Uh, you're just saying that because you know I've got lots of money. You're wonderful. Because you know I have very influential friends. You're wonderful. Because of my social position. Wonderful. Zach, we're home. Yes. Mary, I... I know now I'm going to get well. And I've got plans, lots of them. And you figure in all my plans. You've got to figure in them because without you, I... Oh, I'm back where I started. I'm sunk. Zach, let's not talk about it now. I'm... I'm kind of sleepy. All right. I'm leaving early tomorrow, Mary. Before I go, I 
Got a lot of things to tell you. Yeah. Good night, Jack. Good night, Mary. I love you very much. I want to kiss you. Jack. going to do, Mary? I don't know. He's going to ask me to marry him. Have you told him about yourself? No. Are you going back with him on the train tomorrow? Oh, how can I? I'm afraid to be alone with him now. Oh, Aunt Sarah, I mustn't tell him. And I lied to him at the dance. I told him I was going to stay there a couple of extra days. Don't you think he's strong enough yet to know about you? I don't know. And I can't take that chance. He's getting well. I want him to go back to that hospital sure of himself. Of himself. And of me. Remember, dear. What you have to do may seem to be second best. But it may work out to be first best after all. Oh, Aunt Sarah, I hope so. Evening, Sergeant. Should say good morning. Happy New Year. Thanks, you too. Have a good time tonight at the dance? Oh, wonderful. So you're checking out tomorrow, you said? That's right, and I want to thank you. I've enjoyed my stay here very much. That's fine, son. Fine. Well, I'll see you later on. Good evening, room. Happy New Year, room. Happy New Year, Zach. May I have this dance with you, Sergeant? Oh, and may I be the first to... Thank you. 
I'll get the door. Morning, Mr. Marshall. Oh, hello, Zach. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Come on in. Have a good time last night? Best party I've been to since last New Year's. Had your breakfast yet? Yes, an hour ago. Well, here's a newspaper. Make yourself at home. Be with you in a minute. Thank you. I'll drive you down to the station. Who was it, dear? Uh, Zach. Morning, Mary. Good morning, Uncle Henry. He's in the living room. Zach? Morning. Hello. I was just fixing some sandwiches for the train. Oh, wonderful. Mary, don't you think you'd better get ready? I'll finish that. Yes, I'd better. I'll be down in a minute. Go sit down, Henry. You're ready to ready. Yes, ma'am. We won't be long, Zach. Hope you don't mind. Well, take your time. Besides, here comes Barbara. Hello, Sergeant. Happy New Year. Hello, Barbara. Hi, you look nice. Thank you. Is that your bag out there? Uh-huh. You sure look a lot better than you did a week ago. I feel a lot better. You think the Marshall food did it? <laughs> I think it was mostly your cousin Mary. Oh, she's awfully nice. Yeah, I've noticed that, too. You know what? I think I'll marry her. Are you kidding? Well, not as far as I'm concerned. Well, won't you mind waiting? Well, what's up to Mary? Things have worked out so well that, well, I may not have to wait as long as I thought. Yes, and the fact that they let her out of prison for Christmas is a pretty good sign. What are you talking about? You know, it wasn't until the other night when she told me how it all happened that I realized it wasn't her fault at all. She's not a criminal. Criminal? I mean, like a real criminal. Oh, it's too bad you two can't go back on the train together. But then Mary isn't due in Easton until 9 o'clock, and she wants to spend as much time with us as she can. After all, being in that awful place for three whole Come years. On, Zach. We're going to be late. Mary. Well, goodbye, Zach. Zach, is there something wrong? Wrong. Well, have a nice trip and come back real soon. Oh, Zach. Jack, I hate to say goodbye. Thank you again, Mrs. Marshall. Good luck. And here, here's your sandwiches. Thank you. Mary, honey dear. Coming. You sure have been quiet, Jack. Well, I catch on. Please the crowd, huh? No, no, I, I, I didn't mean that. Now, Zach, is there any special address, or do I just write to you and care of the hospital in Easton? Yeah, uh, care, care of the hospital. Zach. Uh, it'll get there all right. And... You can write me in care of Uncle Henry. Sure, we'll forward it to wherever she is. Okay. Because I won't know what hotels I'll be stopping at. Sure, and I... sure. Well, well, goodbye. Goodbye, Dad. You will write to sure, me. Sure, I'll write. And thanks again, Mr. Marshall. It was nothing, boy. That. What's the matter? What's wrong? Wrong? Don't. Well, not a thing. Not a thing in the world. Goodbye, Dad. Goodbye. Good luck, Jack. Look, he's not even waving, Uncle Henry. Oh, what's the matter? I wonder. He acted kind of strange ever since he left the house. Hmm? I think I know. Zach! Zach! He's gone, Mary. Oh, he knows. He knows about me. He knows. Dad will want another cup when they get back. Mother, if you'd been in Mary's place, wouldn't you have gone along with Zach? Don't ask so many questions. Well, as long as Zach's willing to wait until Mary's out of prison, I don't see why... Prison? Barbara. Barbara, you didn't tell him. Who wasn't Zach supposed to know? Oh, Barbara. Oh, why didn't anybody tell me? 
Why didn't you warn me? I should have. I should have. Oh, Mary's always treated me like a grown-up. I didn't want to hurt her. Now I've done something terrible again. They're coming in. Quiet. No, I've got to tell her. I've got to. Mary, Mary. Oh, Mary, I'm so ashamed of myself. Please forgive me. Mary, I love you. But I didn't know. I told him, Mary. Don't cry, darling. Please don't cry. He had to know sometime. At least he didn't know until the last moment. Not something. Oh, please, darling, don't. Well, I'll go pack now. Come and help me, Barbara. There's a train in an hour. I think I'd like to leave as soon as I can. I'm reporting back. Oh, you. Marshal, isn't it? That's right. Have a good time? Aren't you going to open the gate? You've got a little time yet, sister. What are you talking about? Down at the corner. Guy's been waiting for you. Down at... Jack. When you're ready, just pound the bell. Oh, I didn't want to make you cry. Well, there's nothing wrong with crying at a time like this. The minute I got on the train, I knew why you didn't tell me. Oh, nothing matters, except that you're here. I'm terribly ashamed for walking out like that. I need you, Mary. I want to feel that you need me. Oh, but I do. I do. I'll be right here. I'll be right here waiting. I'll be all well by then and ready to make a new start, too. I love you so much, Jack. I love you so much. Oh, we'll get by, darling. Yes, I think we'll do just fine. Just fine. Our stars will return in a moment for a curtain call and a word about our play for next week. Tomorrow, for the first time in two, three, even four years, millions of men throughout the country will be eating Christmas dinner with their families. The war is over for them, but their wives still have a job to do for their country. What kind of a job, Mr. Kennedy? A job that will help all of us during reconversion, saving used fats. But fats aren't rationed anymore. That's just the point. Although food fats aren't rationed, there is actually less fat than ever for industry. But can't we import more? Not yet. The islands in the Pacific that used to send us millions of pounds of oils a year still aren't producing. So, for example, the people who make soap have to share the available oils with other industries. That's why you can't always get all the soap you want. Will saving used fats help? Yes. These fats are released for all sorts of heavy industry. That means more of the fine oils can go into soap. Looks as if I'd better start right off saving again, Mr. Kennedy. Good for you. This week you'll have an extra supply of used fat. Start by pouring the grease from the breakfast bacon or sausage into a tin can. Then add the drippings from your Christmas turkey or goose. And don't forget to skim the giblet gravy after the dinner and the turkey soup later in the week. Do I get anything for these fats? Yes, indeed. Your dealer will give you four cents for every pound you turn in. But more than that, if you and every housewife in the country save used fat now as you did in wartime, soap supplies will become more plentiful. You won't have to wait for your favorite brand. Here's your producer, Mr. William Keeling. 
Tonight, we've received one Christmas present a day early in the form of two superb performances by Joseph Cotton and Dorothy McGuire. Thank you, Bill. And I'm sure now that you're both eager to get back to your families and those Christmas trees. Sounds good to me, Bill. I've been away for so long on location. How's that uh, Technicolor epic, Duel in the Sun, coming, Joe? Well, we're still working on it. You, Jennifer Jones, Gregory Peck, and half of Hollywood. You don't actually fight a duel in that picture, do you, Joe? Well, of course not, Dorothy. You know how the early West was. Nothing more violent than harsh words at 20 paces. <laughs> Tell me, Bill, what about your next play on Lux? For New Year's Eve, next Monday night, we have what is certainly one of the most gripping pictures of the year. It's Warner Brothers, Pride of the Marines. Starring in their original screen roles, John Garfield, Eleanor Parker, and Dane Clark. If you feel like entering the new year with an extra measure of hope and courage in your heart, you'll find it in this deeply moving drama of a wounded veteran who refuses to become a burden to the woman he loves. That's a very timely picture with so many of the boys coming home from overseas, Bill. Good night. Good night. Good night and happy holidays. Tomorrow is our first and long-awaited post-war Christmas, with families reunited and new hope throughout the land. But with our gratitude for peace should come a new conception of that word. For peace on earth has become a challenge the like of which the world has never known before. All of the nations of the earth are seeing themselves for the first time as fellow members of the human race who must work in peace together if they are to survive their common enemies, greed, intolerance, and pride. The future is squarely in our hands. May God guide us in its management and bless us not with wealth and ease, but with tolerance and wisdom. On behalf of our sponsors and those of us here in the Lux Radio Theater, may I wish you all a truly happy Christmas and invite you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents John Garfield, Eleanor Parker, and Dane Clark in Pride of the Marines. This is William Keeley saying goodnight to you from Hollywood. be seeing you, produced by Dory Sherry, was presented through the courtesy of David O. Selznick, producer of Alfred Hitchcock's Spellbound. For its participation in American victory, the motion picture industry has received the official thanks of the United States government in the form of a bronze plaque detailing the industry's wartime achievements. Among these achievements is the contribution of 43,000 feature films for Army and Navy entertainment and morale. These films continue to make possible 6,000 movie shows a night covering every region where our men in uniform are stationed. Radio, too, continues to serve as a medium of entertainment and morale. And these Lux Radio Theater plays are broadcast to our men and women overseas through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. Our music was directed by Louis Silver. And this is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear Pride of the Marines with John Garfield, Eleanor Parker, and Dane Clark. Treat of the Week.
Spry Christmas cookies, tender, full-flavored cookies made quickly and easily with new Easy Mix Spry. Keep the cookie jar full during the holidays. Remember, for digestible, full-flavored foods, you need pure, bland, all-vegetable shortening at its creamy best. That's Spry, S-P-R-Y. Be sure to listen in next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Pride of the Marines with John Garfield, Eleanor Parker, and Dane Clark. And why not tune in a half hour early to hear Joan Davis over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Lux Radio Theater 46122351. Do you love me? Enter. From the archives of the greatest dramas in radio history, we proudly present Hollywood. The Radio Theater, starring Maureen O'Hara, Dick Haynes, and Barry Sullivan in. Do you love me? Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. There's music in the air. And our gift to you is a special musical package filled with laughter and romance and decorated by three sparkling stars. Dick Hames of The Matchless Voice, lovely Maureen O'Hara and Barry Sullivan. They appear in 20th Century Fox's screen hit, Do You Love Me? The story of a lovely woman who not only finds herself, so far as poise and beauty go, but finds two ardent and persistent suitors in the bargain. Here's act one of Do You Love Me? Starring Maureen O'Hara as Catherine Hilliard, Dick Hames as Jimmy Hale, and Barry Sullivan as Barry Clayton with John McIntyre as Herbert Benham. In the suburbs of Philadelphia stands a dignified, vine-covered cluster of buildings known as the Hilliard School of Music. For a hundred years, each generation of Hilliards has devoted itself to the art of classical music and the advancement of the school. Today, the dean of the school is the last of the Hilliards, a serious young woman named Catherine, who at this moment has just concluded a report to the board of trustees. My dear, that's the funniest report we've heard in years. Thank you, Mrs. Crackle. You've worked wonders with the school, Catherine. Wonders. Now, uh, what can you tell us about the Christmas music festival? Well, as a matter of fact, Ralph and... Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, Mr. Wainwright and I have a surprise oh, for you. Oh, now, now, we all know that you two are engaged to be married. There's no need to be so formal. Thank you, Mrs. Crackleton. It has been rather awkward, particularly since, uh, well, since we're planning on being married right after the Christmas festival. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, getting back to the Christmas festival. As treasurer of the school, I'm delighted to say we have ample funds for the most ambitious concert we have ever undertaken. And since you've all approved my request for a trip to New York, I'm leaving this afternoon to confer with the distinguished composer and conductor, Mr. Herbert Benham. And I think I can safely say that Mr. Benham and his orchestra will accept our invitation. I'm on the rising boat of thanks to Miss Hilliard. Yes, and a pleasant journey. And... and a quick return. I shall miss you, Catherine. I shall miss you too, Ralph. I'll be back just as soon as I have arranged the program details with Mr. Benham. Thank you. 
but there just don't seem to be any seats. I'll try the car ahead, Conductor. Oh, sorry, but that's a special car. Barry Clayton's band. Oh, well, then I just stand in the vestibule. Thank you. Oh, I beg your pardon. I didn't know you were leaning against the door. No seats inside? No. Well, you can't just stand. Come on in here. We've plenty of room. Why, thank you. Here, I'll take your bags. It's my Boy Scout training. Wolf Patrol. Well, have this. This will do splendidly, thank you. I I, I think I'll just read for a while. A good book? Very. The influence of Bach on Wagner. Oh, you like music? Yes, intensely. Well, good, good. Oh, Dilly. Yeah? Tell the gang to pick up their instruments. We've got an audience. Huh? Oh, uh, put down your cards, boys. And get ready to pay off that bet, Mr. Dillon. Oh, and Miss, you wouldn't mind if we tried out a number, would you? Oh, no, not at all. I pride myself on being able to concentrate no matter what goes on around me. Oh, now, honey. Okay, boys, here we go. Let's see you concentrate now, Miss, I tell you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Tell me, do you? How did you like it? Yes, sister, how do we do? I'm sorry, but I didn't like it. Fifty bucks, Barry. Come on. Relax, the bet's off. Oh, no, you don't. You said the first time we played that tune for a female customer, she'd melt like butter in the oven. I said the average woman would. This one here isn't a fair test. Look at her. She's one of the most average-looking dames I ever saw. Oh, no, she isn't, and I'll prove it to you. Madam, when you walk down the street, do men ever go... At you? They most certainly don't. There you are, Dilly. Ah, don't prove a thing. It certainly does. The hottest number in the world wouldn't warm up a dame like that. She's ice water. If a mosquito ever bit that gal, Dilly, he'd get double pneumonia. Hey. Hey, she's leaving. Well, let her leave. And the bet's off. <laughs> I don't think that tomato likes you. I'm worried to death. Come on, let's run through that number once again. tell you how pleased they were when I told them you'd conduct the Christmas festival for us. After all, Herbert Benham, well, you're quite a prize for us. Well, thank you, Catherine. Now, tell me, what's the matter with you? Matter with me? Yes, what's wrong? I, I don't quite know. Herbert, I met a man on the train. What? Oh, it's not what you're thinking. Oh, Herbert, what's wrong with me? Well, I'm sure I don't know. Well, last night, after I checked in at the hotel, I walked around the block for over an hour. Many men went by, all shapes, all ages, but not one of them went at me. Well, should they? Could that vulgar, raucous leader of a jazz band be right? Am I ice water? Would I give a mosquito double pneumonia? Uh, now, just a minute. Evidently, you met a low character on the train who reflected upon your ability to bring out the call of the wild. Is that your tragic tale? You think I'm being ridiculous. Oh, no, no. Your vanity was bruised, and naturally you rebelled. It's an awful admission, but you're right. Here, let me look at you. 
Well, it's sinful. What's sinful? Why, the way you hide those pretty eyes of yours behind those ugly spectacles. And your hair pulled up in a tight knot on top of your head. Your figure all bundled up in this tailor-made atrocity. Catherine, have you ever thought of what you might look like? Why, uh, uh, Take off those glasses. Take off my glasses? Yes, and let down your hair. Come on, come on. There's nothing like letting your hair down. Ah. That's better. Now, uh... Fluff it all out. Fluff it. Fluff. Fluff. Makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Uh, well, look in the mirror. Oh. Now you behold merely the faintest possibilities. Not to exploit them is positively but, criminal. But how? When? I mean... Well, how should I know? But my uh, secretary would. Yes, Mr. Benner? Uh, Miss Peters, I'm turning Miss Hilliard over to you. Take her to your beauty salon, to your hairdresser... And uh, take her shopping. I want Miss Hilliard to uh, rise and shine, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. But the Christmas festival, Herbert, we've hardly begun oh, to... Oh, forget about it for a day, can't you? And just promise me one thing. When Miss Peters gets through with you, take another walk around the block. that I should slug that wolf? Oh, no, no, no. It's wonderful. Huh? Oh, never mind. I... I want to go to a nightclub. What one, lady? The El Sudan. Where Barry Clayton makes with the hot swing? Yes, where Barry Clayton makes with the hot swing. Do we pick up somebody else? No. I'm meeting them there, huh? Maybe. Uh-huh, that's no go at the El Sudan, lady. If you ain't got no guy inside waiting, no one going in with you, you're out. Oh, you mean I have to have an escort? Yeah, a boyfriend or your husband or somebody else's husband. They ain't particular, but a guy is a must. Oh, well, uh, uh, in that case, you'd better stop. Oh, I have an idea. That that man there standing in front of that restaurant. But, lady... Oh, don't go away. I'll be right back. Oh, I, I beg your pardon. Mm, that's all right. You like to look in restaurant windows, too, huh? I've always been a bakery window fan myself. Oh, look at that roast duck in there. Me without a solid meal for almost two weeks. You've been hungry for two weeks? Hungry? I'm starved. All I do is stand in front of windows like this and drool. Well, how would you like to eat anything your heart desires? Oh, lady, would I? Good, then come with me. With you? Well, you can do me a favor, too. I want to go to a nightclub and they frown on unescorted ladies. And, uh, I'm to be your escort, is that it? That's right. Nothing more, nothing less. You're on. This I have got to see. The El Sedan, huh? One of Barry Clayton's fans. Why do you assume that? Well, anybody who goes to the El Sedan goes to listen to that so-called sweet swing of his. As far as I'm concerned, swing musicians are crude exhibitionists. Oh, that's so. Well, uh, what about uh, the groaners? You know, the fellows who croon the words to the music? Maybe you like them, huh? Oh, I imagine they're about in the same class. Oh, fine. Fine. You're really going to enjoy yourself tonight. You are now in the El Sedan. Is this table okay, lady? Quite. Oh, uh, you obviously can't go on calling me lady. My name is Catherine Hilliard. Oh, nice name, Catherine. But I think I'll make it kitten. You know, you're uh, quite a dish. Thank you. 
Now tell me, just why did you come here? Well, I'm from out of town, and I understand the El Sudan is quite the place to go. Now, what would you like to eat? Mm, I can't get my mind over that roast duck. Uh, well, then, if you'll call the waiter, uh, we'll... Well, what's happened to the music? Did Mr. Clayton get tired waving that baton of his? Sorry to interrupt the dancing, good people. Don't be alarmed and don't scream, but there's a burglar in the house. Yes, sir, the Jimmy Valentine of Stone, the crown prince of crooners, my pal, Jimmy Hell. Okay, Jimmy, take a bow. <laughs> Because I'm Jimmy Hale. You are a grown-up? Oh, a buck here, a buck there. A fellow's got to make a living, you know. But you told me you haven't eaten for two weeks. I haven't. I'm on a diet. Seems they like us lean and hungry. Well, just don't stand there, Jimmy. Come on up here and bat one out for the folks. Oh, I'm sorry, kitten, but I'd better oblige. Here's a song I know Jimmy knows on account of we made the recording together. Folks, Jimmy Hale. Oh, no! I see you. The more I want you, somehow this feeling just grows and grows with every sigh. I become more mad about you. Jimmy's gal company while he takes care of those autograph hunters. Oh? A wonderful fella, Jimmy. Wonderful. But uh, let's talk about us. Very well. Let's. Well, to begin with, I think you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That's a very nice beginning, Mr. Clayton. Mary's the name from now on. Oh, I've got plans for us, honey. Big plans. How exciting. Uh, what are you looking for? A cigarette? Oh, oh no, no. Uh, just these. My eyeglasses. There we are. Your eyes bother you? No, not especially. I just wear glasses when I'm in nightclubs and when I travel on crowded trains. They prevent me from stumbling over loud-mouthed band leaders. Oh, no, no, you couldn't be. Not her, the girl on the train. Yes, Mr. Clayton, the ice water girl in person. Oh, please, look, I'll get on my knees. I'll, I'll, I'll fast ten days. I'll cut my throat. And deprive womanhood of your flattering speeches. Now, look, I don't blame you for hating me. But you've done a great deal for me. I'll make it all up. Every day, every hour, on the hour, I'll tell you how lovely you are, how charming, how... Uh, is back. Well, how are you, chum? Fine, fine. Would you mind, beautiful, if we drop this brash character in the side pocket and talk about us? Excuse me, boss, but the customers are clamoring for your talent. Right away, Dilly. Now, you're going to stay and dance? Perhaps. Well, just save a couple for me. Oh, James, I know you hate to see me tear away, but don't break up. I'll be back. No, I'll try to pull myself together. Always kidding. 
Well, I've got to hand it to him, kitten. A little while ago, he was a crude exhibitionist. Just a little bit of howling and you've joined the pack. How unkind, Mr. Hale. No, I'll leave the corny lyrics to Barry. He's got the market cornered in that department. Well, it was a brief evening, but a highly successful one. Thank you. What are you talking about? You're not leaving. Certainly. I wanted to prove something, and I have. Now, if you can get the check... No, it's on the, it's on the house. Professional courtesy, you know. Then I guess everything's been taken care of. Good night. Oh, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Clients have to be escorted to their homes. That's rule number one of the union. <laughs> Come on, we'll get a cab. me something, Jimmy. What sort of a man are you? Could just any woman have come along and met you the way I did tonight? No, not just any woman, kitten. What I mean is she'd have to be somebody pretty special. Like you. Oh, am I special? You're wonderful. If you don't believe me, just look in your mirror. And somebody else agreed with me, too. That look in Barry Clayton's eye. Oh, brother. You know, I do think he rather liked me. <laughs> Certainly he liked you. But then he likes all girls, especially the ones that go with me. Are you trying to tell me that Barry Clayton paid attention to me just because I was with you? No, but it's a feud of long standing. If Barry knew where to find you, he'd be howling on your doorstep right now. But that isn't going to happen because I have no intention of moving over. This is all very interesting. Now tell me, whatever made you choose the profession of groaning? Uh, like some music? I'll turn the radio on. I asked you a question. Yeah, that's right. Why do I groan? Well... I told you before, it's a living just like anything else. The pay's pretty good, and the work's not too hard. You see, all you do is... Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Tell me, do you? Do I really mean the whole world to you? Do you get a glimpse of heaven? Your lips meet mine. Your nightly dreams of me pursue you. Do I thrill you? Do I thrill you? Do I thrill you when I cuddle closer to you? Was your life a bore before I knew you? Where I say goodbye. Oh, now the very least I can do is take you inside. Hey, our skipper. Oh, thanks, Mr. Hale. Uh, good luck. Now, I know a nice. I know a nice, quiet little corner in the lobby, kitten. Sorry, but I'm going straight to bed. I've got a very busy day tomorrow. Oh, that's right. We have, don't we? Including breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I think I'd better tell you something right now, Jimmy. I'm engaged. Yes? Engaged to be married. <laughs> well, I'd be surprised if you weren't. But that's no reason to starve. Only groaners have to starve. Don't engage women eat? Very well, then, lunch. But just this once, you've heard of Herbert Benham. Oh, definitely. Hey, wait a minute. You're not engaged No, to... no, Jimmy. Not to Mr. Benham. But I'll be in his office all morning. Suppose you try me there at noon. Mm, if I can hold out that long. 
Good night, kitten. Good night, Groner. Do You Love Me, starring Dick Haynes, Maureen O'Hara, and Barry Sullivan, will continue in a moment. Here's your producer, William Keeley. We continue with Act Two of Do You Love Me, starring Maureen O'Hara in her original screen role as Catherine, Dick Haynes as Jimmy, and Barry Sullivan as his namesake, Barry. just goes to show what a little determination will do, and the right clothes, and the right hairdresser. In a matter of a few hours, the highly conservative Catherine Hilliard has become a creature of dazzling glamour, to whose charms Barry Clayton, the band leader, and Jimmy Hale, the crooner, have completely succumbed. It's the following morning now, and Catherine has just entered the office of Herbert Benham, the conductor. By Rimsky Korsakoff's beard. Catherine, it is you. Good morning. Let me look at you. Well, it's miraculous. Tell me all about it. You walked around the block. Oh, yes, and then I went to the El Sudan, and I made him squirm, and then I made him crawl, and then... Oh, Herbert, it was delicious. Mm, no doubt, but who squirmed and who crawled? That band leader. Oh, Herbert, I'm indebted to you for life. Well, what ideas do you have for our Christmas festival? Well, how about talking it all over at lunch? Splendid. Oh, oh, I forgot I have a luncheon date. He said he'd phone me here. After he got through crawling, he invited you to lunch? Oh, no, not the band leader. Another man. I met him in front of a restaurant. My, my. You did have a triumphant evening. Yes. He's a singer, Jimmy Hale. Of course you wouldn't know him. He isn't from our world, so to speak. Oh, yes, I know him quite well. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to step out of our planet onto his. Excuse me. Yes? Oh, put him on, Miss Peter. Now, hello. Who? Kitten. Uh, oh, oh, just a moment. It's for you, kitten. Oh, uh, hello. Yes, Mr. Hale. Meet you in front of Mindy's restaurant? All right, I'll leave right now. Goodbye. <laughs> he insists upon calling me kitten. Hmm, I wonder what Mrs. Crackleton of the Board of Trustees would Oh, think. they must never know, especially Ralph. It would be disastrous. Then I have you in my clutches, haven't I? Oh, Herbert. And the first tribute I'll exact is that you go out and start having some fun for yourself. Oh, thank you. I'll be back here promptly at two. After all, we simply must start planning the program. <laughs> lunch tremendously, Jimmy, but I really... Oh, must... now you've got plenty of time, kitten. Now, as I started to tell you... Oh. Well, how do you do? Oh, hello, Jimmy. Why didn't you tell me that Mr. Clayton was going to join us? <laughs> because I'm an optimist. I like to look at the brighter side. Look at me, beautiful. I couldn't sleep last night. I couldn't eat a bite of breakfast. I, I couldn't well, even... Well, then why don't you find a nice little table in the corner and get some sleep? And I thought you two were good friends. Oh, but we are. Why, I can hardly bear to have Jimmy out of my sight. Especially when he's with you, Miss... Uh... <laughs> now, isn't that ridiculous? I can't seem to... Hilliard. Catherine Hilliard. Sorry to barge in, Barry, but... Hiya, Jimmy. Oh. But Earl Williams is here. Wants some news for his column. Well, give him some news, Dilly. I'm busy. Yeah, okay, I'll tell Earl how you and a band took over Pittsburgh last Catherine, night. Catherine. Catherine Hilliard. What a beautiful name. Oh, now, just a minute, Barry. Jimmy, why don't you blow? Can't you see Miss Hilliard and I? Why, we're uh, inevitable. You tell him, honey. I just want to sit here and stare at you. We broke every record in Pittsburgh, Earl. Every record. 
Yeah. But what I want to know is, who's the babe with Barry? Oh, some out-of-town tomatoes got a crush on him. Yeah? And what's Jimmy Hale in with her for? Oh, you know, Earl. She's using Jimmy for kind of a bait. She came into the El Sudan last night with Hale and went hook, line, and sinker for the maestro. Oh, thanks, Billy. That's a nice little item. Oh, you might tell your boss that Jackson's here. Al Jackson, the music publisher? Yeah, he's in Mindy's office. Wants to talk to Barry and Jimmy about the new song. Oh, yeah, well, thanks, Earl. I'll tell him right away. But she was sitting right here, waiter. Miss Hilliard, what happened to her? She left. But didn't she leave a message for me? No message. Oh, this is awful. Jimmy, look, here's your chance to square yourself with me for life. You give me her address and phone number, see, and I'll appear on your radio program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Jimmy, you don't understand. I'm on the level. Now, what does a guy have to do to prove it to you? All right, all right. Just let me handle it. I'll talk to her. You will? Yeah, on our honeymoon. Be seeing you, chum. Oh, great. Billy, come here. Uh, yeah, come over Barry, here. what did Jackson have to say about the song? Jackson, follow Jimmy Hale, see? Yeah? Don't let him out of your sight. I've got to find out where Miss Hilliard lives. Jimmy, what are you doing here in front of the hotel? Waiting to see you. I've been trying ever since you ducked out of Mindy's. Oh, but I... Oh, it's all right, really. True, I phoned you 20 times, only to be told each time that Miss Hilliard was not in... But now that you've made an appearance... You've been standing out here waiting for me? Well, eventually you'd have to come out. But it's cold. It's snowing. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. Thinking about you gives me that nice, warm feeling. Jimmy, I... Look, look. I know you're engaged to another man, but that's no reason to run out on a luncheon date. I had an appointment with Herbert Benham, but whether I did or not, I should never have consented to go with you. Oh, let's talk about it over a nice dinner, hmm? I've already had a nice well, dinner. Let's take a walk. Oh, you should see Central Park with the snow coming down like this. Oh, kitten, it's near Christmas. You're supposed to love your fellow man. I do, collectively. Well, it couldn't be that you're afraid. Afraid? Jimmy, I'm engaged. The man I'm going to marry is also associated with me at the music school. Our lives are inseparably bound together. Mm, how does Barry Clayton fit into the picture? He doesn't. Hmm. Oh, you're exasperating. And you're very pretty. Now, look, I promise to behave, and not for a moment will I forget that you're madly in love and engaged to somebody else. Oh, all right, but just a short walk. Mm, now you're purring, kitten. Another world, Jimmy, here in the park. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I never used to think those pictures on the Christmas cards were real. Snow falling slowly, kids singing Christmas carols. You're cold? Oh, oh, no, no. I'm fine. Oh, look, there's even a moon. (laughs) Pretty wonderful, isn't it? Watch out for that moon, kid, and it's dangerous. And don't pay any attention to those stars either. They're dynamite. Jimmy. Huh? I... I feel so strange. What is it? You never should have brought me here, you know. It's much too... Romantic? Bewitching. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows it's 
turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from 1 to 92. Miss Hilliard. You see, we were told to give you a message. It's uh, kind of embarrassing, but I guess we got to tell you. What is it, please? You're lovely. You're charming. You're gorgeous. That's true. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yes, true. Sorry, Miss Hilliard, but we had to do it. Oh, that's all right. But now you can take the flowers and give them to your girlfriend. Uh, We tried to tell Mr. Clayton it was awful corny. Oh, uh, when you go down to the desk, would you mind leaving word for me with the clerk? Just tell him if any messages come. I'll be at Mr. Benham's office. Good thing you weren't here five minutes ago, Catherine. Ralph telephoned. Ralph? He tried to get you at the hotel. You weren't in. Well, naturally, I was on my way here. Where were you last night? It seems he phoned last night, too. Oh, I... I was out walking with Jimmy. Well, as far as Ralph's concerned, you were with me. Do you understand? We, uh, were listening to composers at Malinsky's Farm in Connecticut. Well, Catherine, I had to tell him something. He trusts me. But not me. Of, Of course he does. Oh, I'm afraid we really started something when I told you to rise and shine. Oh, Herbert, I'm in love. Terribly in love. Not, uh, not Jimmy Hale. Yes. I knew it. I knew something would happen the minute you fluffed your hair. What about Ralph? Ralph thinks I'm his friend. Oh, pardon me, Miss Hilliard. There are four messenger boys here. They insist on seeing you. Oh, well, have them come in. What in the world? You can't help them, Miss Hilliard. We'd lose our jobs. Yes, I know, gentlemen. Just go ahead and get it over with. You're lovely, you're charming, you're gorgeous. That's true. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yes, who? Thank you. I I, I sure am sorry, ma'am. You know, uh, during the war, this sort of thing wasn't allowed, and I never thought I'd see the day that I'd be wishing for another war. Well, come on, fellas. Jimmy Hale, huh? 
Well, I suppose a whirlwind courtship has its point. Oh, Jimmy didn't send those messengers. It was that other man. Other man? The band leader? Yes, Barry Clayton. Earlier today, it was four singing bellboys. Catherine, my dear, you are in a mess. A newfound love, an ex-sweetheart who doesn't know he's an ex, and a persistent suitor. Oh, Herbert, what shall I do? Well, obviously, the green light must be given to Jimmy, the red light to Ralph, and uh, for our dear, ambitious Barry Clayton. Oh, he's not so easily put off, believe me. Well, why don't you just phone him and tell him the truth? Of course. Yes, Mr. Benham? Uh, Get Barry Clayton on the phone, will you? Oh, Miss Hilliard. All right, Barry. I'll see you at my hotel at 5 o'clock. Yes. Yes, goodbye. Well, I'm meeting him at 5, Herbert. Well, you can dispose of him by 5.30, but that still leaves us with Ralph. I just have to go home tomorrow and and tell him. Good. Well, you're all straightened out now, right? Right. Then if it's not asking too much, suppose we sit down and think about me. After all, kitten, I have a concert coming up at the Hilliard School of Music. This is Mr. Benham. Who? Western Union. Uh, yes. He's... Ca- Would you mind repeating that, please? Yes, thank you very much. Miss Peters, Miss Peters, where are you? Yes, Mr. Benham. Uh, get a hold of Miss Hilliard right away. Tell her Ralph Wainwright's arriving from Pennsylvania any minute. He, he wants to surprise her. <laughs> Does look delicious, Catherine. Oh, here, have some orchids. Thank you. And what is this champagne? Oh, you shouldn't have. I didn't. Room service sent it up in your name. Oh, well, just a slight sample of what's to come. Wait till the man from Cartier's gets here. From Cartier's, the jewelry store, but you must stop him. Too late, baby. I've already bought it. Bought what? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's in a gold setting with rubies. It's as big as a hunk of ice and has a deep blue color. Guess what? Oh, this is awful. Oh, no. That must be the man from Cartier's. Barry, please, don't go to the door. He mustn't find you here. Who mustn't find you here? Uh, a man, a friend of mine from Pennsylvania. Well, I'd like to meet him. No, no, he, I mean, he doesn't know what's happened to me. I I mean about us. I've got to tell him myself. You must go, please. Anything you want, baby, is okay with oh, me. Oh, no, no, not out that door. Oh, that's right. The other room. Use the fire escape and hurry. And uh, what about us? Later, later. I'll tell you what. Meet me at Carter Holden's penthouse. It's right here in this hotel. He's throwing a cocktail party. All right, all right. In an hour, maybe. And don't be scared, honey. You tell that lug, whoever he is, that no one's going to push my future wife around. Fire escape. Hmm. Oh. Oh, it's just you, Herbert. A trifle wilted from waiting, but still recognizable. I nearly had a fit. I thought you were Ralph, and here I was, trapped with Barry Clayton. I don't see Clayton. He just left. The fire escape. Oh. Well, I thought I'd better be here when Ralph arrives. It might soften the shock. Thank you, Herbert. You're still certain you want to go through with this? I've never been more certain of anything. Well, you'd better be in the bedroom, then, when he arrives. I'll welcome Ralph myself and break it to him as gently as possible. Oh, dear. What's this? Caviar and champagne from Barry Clayton. Oh, I'm afraid Ralph won't like this at all. I'll just have to sit. Oh, oh, excuse me. Hello? Jimmy. Oh, I've been hoping you'd call. Oh, I'd love to. But someone named Carter Holden is having a party, and I've promised Barry Clayton I'd be there. No, Jimmy, I don't want to go, but I must, and, and I want you to take me. Oh, please. You will? I'll meet you in the lobby in, well, in an hour. Thank you, Jimmy. Goodbye, darling. Oh, Herbert, I'm so happy I could... Ralph, 
What'll I do? Oh, go on, disappear. Just leave everything to me. Courage, Benham, old fellow. Courage. <laughs> Why, Ralph. Hello. Herbert. Well, come in, old man. I just thought I'd drop over to welcome you. Well, thank you. Where's Catherine? Uh, Catherine? Oh, she's in the bedroom, cleaning up a bit. Uh, have a herring. <laughs> no, thank you. How about a glass of champagne? I guess you've forgotten, Herbert. I don't drink. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, Ralph, you and I are old friends. We have mutual interests, mutual ambitions. Uh, yes? Well, what I'm trying to say is that since Catherine came to New York, we've worked closely together and... I'm sorry, Herbert, but I don't follow you. Well, to come straight to the point, Catherine's in love with another man. What? Yes. From a chance acquaintance, they drifted unwittingly in love. I lied to you last night about being up at Malinsky's farm. She was with this other man. Herbert, if this is your idea of a practical no, joke, no, I... No, 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 believe me. I, I'm dead serious. You see, in a sense, I've taken your fiancé away. That is, I've had uh, something to do with it. But, uh, what's this? Uh, what's what, old man? This card with the orchids. You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. You're lovely. Signed, B. B for Benham. Oh, no, no, Ralph. You've got this all wrong. Or is it for You're... Benedict, like in Benedict? <laughs> and you can tell Catherine, if she has any explaining to do, she can reach me at the YMCA. a brief intermission, we'll bring you Act Three of Do You Love Me? Starring Dick Hames, Maureen O'Hara, and Barry Sullivan. Mr. Keeley at the microphone. Act Three of Do You Love Me? Starring Maureen O'Hara as Catherine, Dick Hames in his original screen role as Jimmy Hale, and Barry Sullivan as Barry Clayton. It's a few seconds later. Herbert Benham, the eminent conductor has just conducted himself off the floor, while Catherine stands by, helpless but sympathetic. Oh, my goodness, Herbert, are you all right? Oh, I'm just fine. It seems I omitted one small point in my little talk with Ralph, the name of your newfound love. He thought I was the lucky dog. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're sure your jaw's all right? Oh, Herbert, but for you, I might have married that... that... That blue-nosed, pompous sack of cornstarch. Well, my dear, that's one down and two to go. Barry Clayton and Jimmy. You're meeting Jimmy downstairs, is that it? And he's taking you to the party so you can meet Barry? You see, it's all working out very well. I'd say there were two schools of thought on that subject, Catherine. But uh, have a lovely evening. You must see me sometime and tell me all about it. No, hello, Earl. Oh, uh, this is Miss Hilliard, Mr. Williams. Mr. Williams is New York's most famous columnist, Kitten. How do you do? Seen Barry around, Earl? Barry? Oh, he's in there playing the piano. Our host put him to work. Want to talk to him now, Kitten? Uh, I think I'd better, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Run along. I'll wait right here. You know, I, uh, I didn't expect to see you here tonight. Well, it was Miss Hilliard's idea. She wants to talk to Barry. Well, I always knew you were a good sport, and as long as I spelled your name right... I don't get it. Well, I want you to know there was nothing personal in it. Well, see you later. 
How goes it, Broner? Oh, hello, Dilly. Hey, I didn't think you'd be talking to Earl Williams. Why not? What goes on, Dilly? You, uh, didn't see his column? His column? What about it? Uh, oh, nothing, Jimmy. No, nothing at all. What's the matter? I just wanted to see you, kitten. Alone. Oh, about Barry? I haven't had a chance to talk to, you, to him yet, but I'm... I'm... Well, I was just reading the evening paper, kitten. Earl Williams' column. Oh? Here. Thought you might like to read it, too. Well? If you notice Jimmy Hale's face turning red, it's because a beautiful lady from out of town was crazy to meet Barry Clayton. So she used Jimmy as a stooge at the El Sedan to get an introduction... But what Jimmy hasn't caught on to yet is that the lady has fallen but hard for the maestro. And all that's left for the groaner are groans. Those in on the know are very, very amused. Jimmy. Yeah? You, you can't believe that I'd do anything as contemptible as that. It isn't true. I, I did have reasons for wanting to meet Barry at the El Sudan, yeah, but... And you used me as a stooge, huh? I didn't even know who you were then. You were just a man I, I picked up. Yes, yeah, that... Seems quite obvious. Oh, you know I didn't mean it that way. I met Barry once before, and he ridiculed me, and, well, I suppose I have been vain and silly, but, but what you don't know... Oh, no, what I know is enough. It all adds up. Every little trick. Well, how are you, Joan? Glad to see you. Did you tell him, Catherine? Did she tell me what? And I took an option on the lady, and she said yes. Barry! Well, that's great, pal. Exactly what we were just talking about. I'm tickled to death. She knew what she wanted, and she knew how to get it. Your understanding is overwhelming, Mr. Hale. Yeah. Why don't you go to the piano with Barry and jam out a couple of choruses of the wedding march? You might as well double-cross Mendelssohn, too. A wonderful suggestion. Perhaps you'd like to join the joyful chorus. Come on, Barry. Well, what's the matter with him? Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, that girl. What'd you say her name was? Catherine Hilliard, for the time being. You can put that in your column, pal, and this on your chin. Oh. Hey, Jimmy. Oh. What columnist was socked last night at... Oh. Hilliard. Catherine Hilliard, School of Music. Earl, what's the matter with you? Oh, darling, did he hit you so hard you're talking to yourself? Out of my way, baby. I've got to get to a phone. Have I got a story? Pennsylvania papers, please copy. Uh, sit down, Jimmy. Uh, you too, Mr. Clayton. I invited you to drop in because I thought you might both be interested to learn of Catherine's whereabouts. Now, where is she? trying to find her everyone. Catherine's gone back home. Just why she's gone home, I don't know. You see, the uh, Board of Trustees of the Hilliard School of Music has decided to get a new dean. I'm afraid the board's a little narrow-minded when it comes to crooners, band leaders, and uh, publicity in Earl Williams' column. If it wasn't for this hot-headed character... Oh, I suppose I invited her to the party. Gentlemen, uh, please, we're all to blame. If you're guilty, so am I. It was I who persuaded Catherine to burst her Hilliard School cocoon and emerge as a butterfly... You two gave her wings. Now it matters little to me in whose garden she'll finally light. But we must, if possible, prevent her from being permanently dismissed from the school. Yeah, but what can we do? A bunch of long hairs like that, they wouldn't even let Jimmy and me in the front door. Why don't we go through the back door, then? Very funny. Oh, that's too simple for you to understand. Look here, Mr. Benham, just how far are you prepared to go to help Kitten? Just this side of murder. Uh-huh. I have a concert to conduct at the Hilliard School tomorrow. I'm leaving in an hour, so if there's any little thing... All right, all right. Now, look, listen. You too, Barry. Now, here's my idea. If we can...
Thank you. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, all radical changes in art are born of inspiration and uh, very often of strife. So in music there sometimes arises a difference of opinion. You've just heard the orchestra in a composition in the tradition of the classics conducted by your humble servant. I would now like to depart from the printed program and offer for your approval and judgment a composition in the tradition of modern popular music <coughs> conducted by Barry Clayton and sung by the eminent vocalist, Mr. Jimmy Hale. Oh, music at all Christmas Ever since that certain night When we first danced and dined out I've been wondering how I stand And now I've simply got to find out Prepare to hear the worst, so speak your mind out. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Tell me, do you? Mr. Clayton and uh, Mr. Hale seem to suddenly left our stage. May I thank you in their behalf? I'm sure that your response to their offering will help convince anyone present that the dean of the Hilliard School of Music, Miss Catherine Hilliard, uh, committed no unforgivable sin in her recent uh, association with these two artists. <laughs> Where is she, Miss Hilliard? Did you find her? Don't stand there, Dilly. Where's Miss Hilliard? She ain't here, boss. What are you talking about? Miss Hilliard, she wasn't allowed to come to the concert. She's in her office packing, getting ready to leave town. Oh, that's all I want to know. Hey, Usher. Usher, where's Miss Hilliard's office?
administration building, it says. This is it, Jimmy. Yeah. What am I worked up for? Go on in, pal. You're the one she wants to see. Thanks, Jimmy. We'll be seeing you around sometime, Catherine and I. Oh, well, I'm not leaving just yet. I'll, I'll just wait out here. I, I'd like to wish Kitten good luck. Well, that's very swell of you, chum. I'll bring her right out. Well? Where's Kitten? I said, where's Kitten? You want a Christmas present? Huh? Here. <laughs> Barry! You mean she... Yes, go on in there. She's waiting for you, you groaner. Merry Christmas, kitten. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, darling. Oh, your eye, Jimmy. Who hit you? Oh, Barry just hung up his sock on me. Oh, <laughs> got something for you, too. From me, darling. With love. Oh. Who says there ain't a Santa Claus? This is William Keeley saying goodnight to you from Hollywood. and Patricia from Florida, and that's the Saturday Night Show. Or search for the Golden Days of Radio Podcast on TuneIn, iTunes, Google Music, and Stitcher. Here on Yesterday USA. Good morning, everybody. Alt-Tab 1. Alt-Tab SoundForge Pro 11. Escape. Escape. Enter. Enter. Menu. File A. Leaving menus. Sound 1 star. Save as dialog. File name. Sound 1. Edit. T. A. Q. R. S. D. A. Y. N. I. G. H. T. 1. 2. Dash. 2. 8. Dash. 1. 7. S. E. C. O. N. D. P C W I T H P A T R I C I A com L A R R Y Save as type combo box wave Microsoft save but enter 
Welcome to Skype. Press JAWS key plus H for Alt page down. Menu Alt tab. Leaving menu bar. Unknown fee. Alt tab. Alt tab. Spotify. Alt tab. Soundforge Pro 11.